Hi everyone, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 18. My name's Stephen Hill. His name's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. We haven't changed that, have we? We've no, kept not that yet. the same from sort of what's so this is the 18th episode and um we've decided to keep our names the same for all 18 episodes. We might come up with some sort of shitty pseudonyms at some point. Yeah, like kind of um rap pseudonyms. Would you like that? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. I'll go for that. Yeah. Um uh, what would you call yourself if you're a rapper? DJ Chub Chub. So you're the DJ, are you? So <laughs> you're, apparently you really, so. So I have to be, the, have M- to be, have to be the MC. MC. Yeah. Um, MC um, fully festering fuck lord. <laughs> wow. Okay. That yeah. sounds like the sort of people who I used to play uh, Quake with online when well, I was about I'm, 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of more more of an MC uh, who is sort of one of those new ones they got. They, they like metal. They've ah. got no, literally got nothing to do with metal at all. Like MF but they've Doom got a, yeah. and stuff like that. Or um, what's his name? Sergeant Shithouse. Shot, oh, Sergeant Shithouse. I'm aware of his work. <laughs> yeah. God, uh, I caught you out, didn't I? Um, uh, there's actually, have you, I was going to ask you this actually. Have you gone any further into the world of hip hop? Because it's one of those things where you were sort of thinking you wouldn't mind having a little go. Not a whole bunch Personally, there are little uh, pepperings of it, smatterings of it on stuff that we'll talk about later, mm. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you famously gave me Dear Aunt Wood, which... which um, put you off. I certainly did for a couple of weeks. There's actually... I've, <laughs> so, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be doing our top 20 albums of the year. Yeah. Um, and there's one... Like a grime album, I think is gonna make my top twenty. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's um, I was talking to James from Release Massey about this. There's a there's a hip hop guy. I think his name's No Name. He's just released a record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the highest rated uh, album on Metacritic of the year. Oh, right. Um, and all that kind of shit. I think so I've heard that. I yeah, I have heard that actually. It sounded, the way he described it, it sounded really interesting. So right. I was like, hmm, I think I might check that out at some point. Mm. And obviously it's been well reviewed, so. Yeah. Well, anyway, hello, by the way. Hello. Thanks for coming on board and, and listening. Um, just want to give a shout out, as we do every week at the start of the show, to Musicism, who, um, who are our compadres, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, you go to musicism.net and they'll teach you how to be just a better musician, guitarist, yep. singer, producer. Yep. You know. Take you through therapy. Treble threat. Oh. Yeah, Very nice. Uh, it's only 9.99 if you want to sign up for their courses and you That's get all these like tutorial videos and amazing stuff. Well, hours and hours and hours at, of tutorial videos. At least hours and hours and hours. I speculate. More than six hours. <laughs> I speculate it's 172,509 hours. Well, somewhere between video. the two numbers that me and Renfrew <laughs> just plucked from the air is the amount of, no- of hours that you can get for uh, learning how to be a better guitarist or yeah. a better singer or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, whatever. Sorry, lads. <laughs> I just do a much better fucking... Like, everyone knows by now, I hope. Anyway. Um, anyway, and also you get 25% off when you go and put the code RIOT in capital letters in the checkout. So happy fucking days. Yeah, Christmas coming around the bend. Oh, <laughs> I know what you should be getting your nan. But your nan's always wanted to be a shredder, doesn't she? Anyway, on this week's show, we're going to be catching up on seven of the albums that we missed in the uh in right uh, uh, the 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 r-a-b-c or b-c-r-a are you going Be- roman numeral on me? yeah before mm. right before we were a podcast <sighs> a bunch of stuff got released and we missed it 
Yeah, in some cases, and in, in some, some cases, cases, it's stuff that was released after as well. But yeah, yeah it's a bit uh, of both. Yeah, so a little bit of both. But a lot of it is stuff that came out kind of um, before we were a thing. Mm-hmm. And we're joined by Mike Venart of Venart, formerly of Ocean Size and oh, currently yeah. also of Biffy Clyro. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be talking to you yeah. about his top five favourite songs by this band, Iron Maiden. Yeah, are you familiar with I Iron Maiden as well? I understand that they're fairly popular they are, with the, to say the least with the they, kids they, when the kids reach 50 <laughs> they are a very popular band un, undeniably so yes mm. uh, and that was a fascinating chat yeah uh, so that's come he hasn't later. really talked about Maiden all that much but he is a massive fan so right yeah, okay yeah, yeah. that's good um, and so that's coming up later also you know w- w- did, did the special go out this week no it's no. going to happen though right yeah we did say that last week yeah it hasn't happened no why is that do you want to tell me why? Uh, I don't know. Don't know? No. We're working on it. Right. Mm. Don't make me do this every week. Nope. <laughs> so the specials are, specials are going to come. So like, you, know, we got... you know how much I don't like, you know, uh, going through with promises that I've made. Yeah, so, let's not do that. Yeah. So we've got one we're coming up with Water and Solutions with Jonah Matranga. Um, we have got one about Roadburn. Uh, yes. The premier underground music festival on this planet, one of the most revered festivals by the artists that play it in the entire world. So that should be great. And also, um, we haven't actually recorded this yet, but we're going to do one about covers. Yep. And we picked. You picked seven covers now. I have now. I've picked, yes. I picked eight, yes. and I've had to get rid of one. Um, but we're going to be doing that. That yes. should be coming out in about three weeks, I reckon. Oh, don't put a date on it. Three, four weeks. Maybe. Well, Christmas after, probably after Christmas. To uh, be right, fair, right, right. I reckon. But we're going to be recording it before Christmas because oh, I'm fuck yeah. fucking not having you all jacked up on mince pies and, <laughs> <laughs> and not talking to me about covers. That would be terrible. Um, okay. Go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. You can help us out financially if you think that you listen to one of the specials which are going to come out and you think that's worth some money. Um, you can do that. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter at right act underscore podcast you can go on facebook and like i said you can leave a review on itunes <laughs> um so anyway i only been to one gig this week you've been to four three no you haven't even been to four pine supported van art oh you didn't tell me that Renfrey. I don't, I don't know what you want from me <laughs> apart from more communication <laughs> um yeah so you went to see van art and pine yeah how was that Great. Um, I'll go into Pine first. They are currently touring as a six-piece. So, God, what is it? Guitars, drums, bass. Violin. Violin. Cello. Cello. Oh, you made a wanking sign at me when you did cello. Yes. Okay. It was a boat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, (laughs) You're not happy already. I've not been happy for a long time. (laughs) And lap steel guitar. Um, and man, it is so vicious and loud when mm. it needs to be, but so tender and beautiful when it needs to be as well. Sort of struck me. I can't believe I've not really made this comparison before, but it sort of struck me as uh, Cult of Luna meets Godspeed, you Black Emperor. That is a fucking great comparison. Yeah. And it's weird because we have such different tastes, don't we? And- <laughs> um, um, and considering I've been banging on Pine's door mm. banging their drum banging on their 
there's a phrase banging the drum for pie yeah yeah yeah. there's a phrase there um for so long i'm amazed that i only came up with that whilst watching them a few uh a few days ago but yeah. um yeah that's pretty it's much good it shout, that. if really that good sounds shout. up your alley you mm. have to check out their debut album lots it's brilliant yeah um then uh, i know i'm kind of biased what can i say I'm biased, um, but I just thought it was absolutely revelatory. I fucking loved it. I thought, I have to say, Steve, you were at a different gig this night, but um, I don't think I don't think you quite got on board with the uh, solo records, certainly not in the way that I did. I think you found it a little bit difficult to penetrate. Is that fair? I'm not um, putting words I, in your no, mouth. No, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought there was a lot of interesting things going on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I thought it was good. I yeah. just wasn't like... Um, not all of it really stuck with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, really. There's a big, uh, there was a big desire for me to to, to have you there uh, because <laughs> because uh, I just thought live you it just seemed to me that you might have got it a bit more. Uh-huh. Um, and he played a lot from it. Um, played some brilliant songs from his debut solo as well, The Demon Joke. And then a couple of Ocean Size songs to round it off, Music for a Nurse, which was basically their attempt at becoming commercial of some sort it got mm. on an orange advert um wow. oh, what else? don't you see many um adverts for fruit these days do you no <laughs> no <laughs> oh. oh chucklesome um and uh park cardiac which is like the doomiest song they've ever written it was just it was fucking great i i loved it it was like an hour and a half of brilliance i thought mm. um and they're really unique and there's no other band like them really yeah um so that was awesome uh, do you want to go on therapy? Yeah, because that's why I was. Um, the reason I didn't go to Venart is because I went to see Therapy, who I have seen a whole bunch of times before um, for the last 20 something years. So, uh, but still, um, oh, you want to watch Therapy, basically. Yeah, don't why you? wouldn't you want yeah, to? Yeah, like, I mean, we've spoken about Therapy when we reviewed Cleve. They actually played eight songs off the new record. Oh, nice. Started and ended with. It ended with a song from that record, and everyone think, was like, "That is," and everyone was like, "Yeah!" Like when they got the, I think it was, I don't have the set list in front of me, and it's a week ago, so excuse me if I'm getting this completely wrong, but I think they did nowhere into knives into uh, maybe died laughing, wow. and then they ended on a song from their latest record, That's like awesome. halfway through their late. Do you know what I mean? And it was like. Fucking hell, like... Uh, they ended on Success as a Survival, yes, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, so... Um, uh, and, and it was just brilliant. Like, they've got... They pulled... What What you want from therapy at this point? I mean, I think they played... They played eight songs from the new record, which goes to show how much confidence they have in the new record and how much confidence they should have in the new record because it is another great record. Yeah, it's really um, good. They also obviously played about eight... I think they played about eight songs from... Trouble Gum. Uh, Trouble Gum as well. They played a little handful of... Um, one from Nurse, one from Pleasure Death, mm-hmm. and then one from... One or two from Semi... It might be two from Semi Detached, actually, because they played Lonely Crying Only and they played Church of Noise. I've not mm. heard them play Church of Noise for a long time and mm. that's a great song. And they played Diane. Yeah. never ever ever seen them play that before that's wicked so that's the thing you go and see therapy and you you know like we've spoken a lot about um you know i think i was talking about killing joke a couple of weeks ago uh-huh. and i was saying you know you're gonna get well you're going to killing joke you know you're gonna get the weight and you're gonna get um love like bloods and all that sort of stuff but you also if you're enough of a fan you know that there's stuff that they could potentially throw in yeah throughout the course of that set and I'm enough of a fan of therapy to to really get excited. I mean, Diane obviously is a big song of this, but they, I've somehow never seen them play it, and yeah. it was 
you know, it was really good. And they've got so much energy um, for a band who have been around for, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Maybe not quite the same thing as I would say with Sick of It All, who really do have, like, mm-hmm. it's like you're not human, you have that yeah, much energy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but therapy still, they still feel like the therapy that I watched when I was 17, 18 years old. That's like wicked. they're they're fucking great, and Andy's voice still sounds great. He's such a good guitar player. He gets such a big. They get such a massive sound. Out yeah, of for three people. Three people. Yeah, it's yeah. you know it's really good. I mean, even at the end of the set, like Andy fucked off early, and it just left um, Michael and uh, it's not it's not Graham Hopkins anymore. It's um oh oh my god, I'm really sorry, I can't remember the dude's name. Neil Neil. Uh, anyway, sorry, the drummer. Yeah. 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 Bad that, um, uh, yeah. The drummer uh, just kind of playing on there, and it still sounded absolutely massive. Right, just okay. bass and drums. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. they've just, you know, they've just found they, they've just got a, a tonally. They sound huge, and you know, you can't fuck with those songs. They were brilliant. Absolutely they always not. are brilliant. They were brilliant in the nineties. They're brilliant now. And fuck you if you don't think they are. I have to say, I think that new record hasn't got anywhere near as much plaudits as it should have done. I suppose it's because, you know, in terms of... People are just used to it, aren't they? Well, in terms of a story, there isn't much. It's, you know, a band that's been around forever, writes another great record. always writes good albums, yeah. Yeah, writes another great record. I mean, it's the thing that I, you know, I always say, when I, the first time I interviewed Andy Cairns and he, and I compared them to the Pixies, where I was like, did you get annoyed that, you know, the Pixies split up and came back and headlined Reading? Yeah. And, you know, they're doing four nights at the Roundhouse and yeah. you didn't. Four um, nights at Brixton. Four nights at Brixton. Four nights at the Roundhouse the other month. Oh, sorry. Yes, Therapy yes, yes, are doing yes. one night at the Islington Academy. Yeah. 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 Doesn't seem fair. No. Do you know what I mean? I it doesn't agree. seem fair. But anyway. Not, not that we're, you know, no. saying anything bad about Pixies. No, but, no, 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 yeah. no. It's just that the, if the Pixies are that big, <coughs> Therapy should be that big as well, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, they were um, unsurprisingly excellent, mm-hmm. as they always are. Cool, that's good to hear. Um, the next day, I went to see Pit, Pit Shifter. Shifter. So uh, I missed this, right? And uh, I do have a little pang of regret that I didn't see it. But Well, I'll get on to Pit Shifter in just a second, because I also saw Earth Tone 9. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Earth Tone 9. I love Earth Tone 9. Um, I actually think... They are different bands, but I think I probably prefer Earth Tone 9 to Pit Shifter overall. Yeah, um, I think I would probably agree with that. I just I think Earth Tone Nine's back catalog. Yeah, Earth Tone Nine's back catalog as as a whole, I think, is better. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and they were great. They played loads from Arc Tangent, a couple from Off Kilter Enhancement, mm-hmm. um, a couple from Four, which is the record they did a few years ago, comeback record, which was yeah. pretty decent. It's all right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's right. not bad. Um, I love them, but I I've seen the reformed Earth Tone Nine now. Certainly more than I saw the old Earth Tone 9. And um, I'm just getting a little tired of it because I, I'm i kind of at this... I, like, so when did they reform? I think the first time I saw them when they reformed was actually at Arc Tangent Festival. And the first year of Arc Tangent Festival, they did Arc Tangent in full because why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and, you know, it was amazing and it felt exciting to have them back. And I know they released four a few years ago, but... I'm kind of at the stage now where I'm like, if you're going to come back now, I wouldn't mind a new album. Because I don't think 4 was a disaster at all. I certainly don't think it ruined their legacy or anything like that. No, I think no, it's a it decent didn't. record. Um, and I wouldn't mind hearing a 5 if that's 
ever going to happen. But if it's not, then I'm kind of like, maybe you should just hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of bands like that in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of doing that. It's a bit of a sad thing to see, I think. I imagine, like, they, they, I'm not saying they're tired or anything like that. Like, it still was killer and they were really good. It's just as a fan, I'm kind of like, I'm at the point now where I actually want to see you do something new or you know just yeah. move on i imagine in this case you know they're both nottingham bands pitch shifter and so 9 i imagine pitch shifter just went to them with like we're doing a short run at the end of the year do you fancy coming along and there's nothing wrong with that that's no. awesome well um, i mean but to, speaking of bands come i mean pitch shifter have split up and reformed and split up and reformed split a lot up and reformed a bunch of times <laughs> yeah. now they're playing the 20th anniversary of www.pitchshifter.com well it was sort of billed as that Mm. But uh, it wasn't. Um, oh. They played six songs from WWW, but it what? wasn't. It wasn't an album show. Oh. I think it was just um, badly worded because I think it it's sort incredibly of said, misleading. Yeah, I I thought so. I mean, it, it, I was kind of relieved because, as we've discussed yeah, on here before, shows. I don't really like yeah. album shows. And I listened to WWW a couple of times. WWW a couple of times before going to see them, um, and. We were discussing this a little bit off we mic. Were. A, it's not dated brilliantly. That is fair. Um, and B, it does drop off a bit towards the end. I, they, yeah. I, I don't need to hear ZX81, I think it's no. called, live. I don't need to hear, you know, there's a few songs on it that the, yeah, the fr- it's front-loaded to fuckery. I think it's mid-loaded, personally. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Wizzy Wig and Please Sir yeah, and Disposable, yeah. I think, are all... Yeah. Like that's the the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't that informed, which I thought I think was a good thing. Um, I have to say, I really loved it. Really, uh, okay. I re- I just loved seeing them again. I have seen them a lot over the years, but it feels like it's been a long while since I've seen them, and it was just like a comfortable old pair of shoes again. Mm. And live, it felt it didn't feel retro. It did feel yeah. of now. Um, they played, so I would have expected Deviant to be the album that they take the second most amount of tracks from, but they actually played mainly from Psy. I think they played five songs from oh, that really? record. Well, you say that, you pull that face, but I re-listened to that record and that has that has dated very well. Has it? Yeah, it's dated really well, that record. stunned to hear that. Yeah, I wasn't too... I wasn't mega keen on it when it came out. I was like, it's all right, but it's no WW or, P- or Deviant or even Infotainment. I don't think it's, no, I was going to say, Infotainment. Um, but listening to it back, I think I'd ha- actually have to reassess it, reassess where I put it in their catalogue, to be really? honest with you. I'm going to listen to that. You should, you should, man. Yeah, should it's... Give it's... it to me for trade-off, because I have not listened to that since probably two days after it got released. Really? Oh, man, hmm. I really didn't like it. I oh, really, wow, really okay. Didn't like it, yeah. There's some, there's, I mean, songs like Shut Down, they played live, and that's fucking great. Um, eight Days is pretty good. Did this they play like shit. triads and stuff? Did they play like they early? They played early? Virus. Oh yeah, I like that. Uh, and they got Mikey out during Virus from Sixth. Oh, that did was cool. Um, uh, they definitely played another early tune, but I can't remember what it was. It might have been Triad. I can't remember. Um, one thing I will say about Pitch Shifter though, you know how I bemoan the fact that there's all these bands using tracks and so on and so forth mm. these days? Pitch Shifter are a band that you would expect to use loads of tracks, especially in terms of the drumming and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was so cool and so impressive. I don't I, I don't know who the drummer is. My apologies. I can't. I think it's Simon Hutchby, formerly of Earth Tone 9. Don't right. quote me on that, but I think it is 
Simon, who was oh, the God. original Earth Tone 9 drummer. Or maybe not the original one, but he was the guy who played on most of the Earth Tone 9 albums. Well, that would make sense because he was shit hot. Yeah. And uh, he, was shit hot. he was fucking amazing. And most of the stuff that you would expect to be like drum and bass stuff over the top of it was actually done live. Mm. And I was just staring at him for about 10 minutes, just like fucking hell. Yeah. Um, and I just found, I just, it just felt to me like Pitch Shifter, sh- like showing up the new kids in that sense. You know, it's like you can do this stuff and make it sound fucking massive mm. and have. I, I, there must have been a bit of track, but it was so little. Like it felt like almost everything was live, and I fucking loved that. Wow. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, that is great. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. And JS Clayton was on top form, like very funny as usual. Kind of forgot how sarcastic and funny he is. Mm. Uh, reminiscent of um, Dead Kennedys. Jello Jello yeah. As excellent. It was really good. Far better than it had any right to be, if I'm honest. Wow. I also noticed, just very quickly, they had a new um, logo and a new kind of um, backdrop. And in my experience, bands don't go to the trouble of designing a new logo unless they're going to put new material out. Well, they out. did put a new single out, didn't they? Yeah. You know what? They were, hand- they were throwing out these pieces of paper... Um, at the end of the show, which were kind of like, you could only, you had to collect several of them to see what they all looked like. Right. Um, but I assumed that was some sort of weird marketing thing. Um, mm. I didn't hear the single. Did you? Yeah. Nah. Okay. Not for me. Okay. It's um, not as good as Ununited. Did they play Ununited Kingdom? No. Ah. no. I would have liked to hear Ununited Kingdom. Yeah. No. Um, only two from Deviant. Um, I would have liked a few more from Deviant, but what two did they play from Deviant? Hidden Agenda, which was fucking huge. Right. Oh, I love that song so much. And actually, that's a really good example. If you've never yeah. heard Hidden Agenda, the chorus of Hidden Agenda, when you listen to that, you'll be like, "Oh, that'll be on track." No, it fucking wasn't. Mm. Amazing. Right. Um, and the other one was seen this. Oh god, that's a that's the terrible pick from that it's album. It's not a it's not the best song by quite a long way. Yeah, yeah. What Keep it clean would have been good. Uh, Chump change. Yeah. Uh, what's the first song? Condescension. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you said that. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Shame that. Anyway, um, finally to wrap us up, I know you're going to say good things about it <laughs> because you went to see Mogwai. Yeah, I love, you love Mogwai. Mogwai don't I you? fucking love Mogwai, and I mean, again, as well you should. A little bit like Venar. It's this is just going to be like, oh, I fucking love Mogwai, and they're amazing. Um, All right. Well, anyway, in the news, <laughs> um, ah, um, I went down to Brighton to see them at the Dome, which is a lovely building. Um, and yeah, just as usual, I just thought they were wonderful. Mogwai don't do an awful lot. They're not a band that you um, get excited about watching per se selling this well um but everything that they need to create is created through their music and through their dynamics the big thing that people say about mogwai is their dynamics live and they are unbeatable for that i'm sure i've said this before but literally so quiet so loud literally the quietest yeah. band i've ever seen live and literally the loudest band i've ever seen live it's ridiculous when they go off it is fucking unbelievable mm. Started with uh, the title track from their new album, which is a beautiful way to start. It's a very kind of last song on the album kind of song. So not very traditional to start with a song like that, but it's fucking great. Um, I I have no complaints about this show at all. I thought it was fucking great, apart from the fact that I had to go on (laughs) rail replacement transport. So I ended up missing the last two songs 
which were Mogwai Fear Satan. Oh, mate. Which is 16 minutes long. And My Father, My King, which is 20 minutes long. So I missed 35 minutes of the show. Some fucking bangers and, there as well. Oh, bangers. Uh, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, My, my Father, My Maybe King not. is based on a Jewish hymn. Yeah. Banger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I, it's brilliant. I mean, My Father, My King was recorded with Steve <laughs> Albini and it sounds like it, you know, it's just fucking amazing. Yeah, um, good shit. Incredible band being incredible. Not the most yeah. amazing headline of all time, but, but there you go. Yeah. All right, good. Well, I'm going to some gigs soon, so I'll yeah, actually yeah. next week. I'm, I'm going to see, as you listen to this, I'll probably be at Bring Me The Horizon if you listen to it on a Friday. Oh, you go. Nice. I'm going to see Bring Me The Horizon and the Fever 333, so we'll do that next week. It's now Fever 333. Okay. I can't keep up with that. Well, that, fucking name. That's the first bit of news. Yeah, so that's news. Um, but this is the first bit of news, actually. The High Court has ordered Vigogo to... Oh, I wasn't saying it in a sort of snotty <laughs> way. I don't know if it came across like that. Uh, the High Court has ordered Vigogo to overhaul the way they do business and to provide more transparency to their customers, which I think is excellent news. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit of a thing here. It says, Vigogo has been ordered to by the court to inform customers if they run the risk of being refused admission to a venue to give access to the identity of the seller what seat they will get and to make it easier for unhappy customers to receive a refund. The court has also said that Viagogo would have to prevent the sale of tickets a seller uh, that a seller doesn't own and not give misleading information about the availability of tickets. Which, all of that makes me think we ain't going to see Viagogo for much longer, which is good news. I hope so. Um, they have had stuff like this thrown at them before and they've somehow still managed to get away with it. Of the big four of those secondary marketer, uh, marketers or whatever you want to call it, they're the most um, rapscallion-y. Yeah, they are, they? yeah. <laughs> um, because the others are owned by big corporations, Ticketmaster mm-hmm. and eBay. Yeah. Which makes it all right, Which, well, no, obviously no, no, not. Yeah, do you know what but, I mean? Yeah, but yeah. they have to be... They actually are forced to be a bit above board. Yeah. More more above board. Um, Viagogo are just independent shysters, basically, mm. um, who, you know, keep changing the location of their office and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I've done a few investigative bits and pieces for the independent over the years on Viagogo. And it's just impossible to get anything out of them at all. Yeah. Um, so they operate like crooks and they act like crooks. So they're crooks they really as far do. as I'm concerned. Do you, want a, do you want a personal story? I'd love a personal story. my um, former thing with Viagogo. Mm-hmm. So my, um, uh, I'm not going to go too much into what I do sort of for my day job. Um, but anyway, my Some crack. Yeah, my day job meant that at one point I had to buy tickets for um, somebody to go to the Jingle Bell Ball at the O2. Mm. Right now, we couldn't get tickets for it, Mm -hmm. but I'd kind of promised this person that I would be able to get them into this thing, right? Mm. So I had to buy tickets from Viagogo, right? And We're all judging you. Yeah, I mean, it was (laughs) was very, very unfortunate. But... um, but, um, Basically, what happened was I thought you'd get a, a download or you get an email, you get the ticket sent to you, whatever. And they said, no, you have to go to the fourth floor room of a hotel on the sort of outskirts of London. You're fucking joking. To pick up your tickets on the day. Oh, now, God. I was terrified by this. Yeah. Right? I, was at, I was like, they're not going to be there, are they? There's going to be some like weird Russian... Like sounds... fucking mobster that is going to be in there is going to uh, yeah. cut my ears off and like mail them to my mum or something. And we've all it been was there. we've all been there, yeah, <laughs> only twice though. Uh, and um, 
yeah, and it was just really disconcerting. Like, and I know, you know, obviously you and I have, have uh, we've said a bunch of times over the years, like how we're very, we, we, I, I think we're both very aware of how lucky we are that we, Definitely. for the majority of the time, we don't have to pay for gig tickets for yep. the majority of the time. Obviously yep. that we do, but for the majority of the time we get in for free. Yep. Um, but it's something that has always really, really bugged me. And the fear of having to go to this, like, it was a legit, like, you know, it was a legit, like, oh my God, what happens if there's no one there? Like, I've yeah. spent, and, you know, the amount that these tickets were like, because it was Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran together right. at the O2. Right. right. So you can imagine how much that costs anyway. Hmm. Tickets on Viagogo. Were probably three times that or something. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot. A lot of money. I think, I mean, that that is not the behaviour of a professional outfit. Absolutely not. <laughs> and when know? I called up, I actually called up in advance. I said, you don't actually expect me to come and pick these tickets up. Like, why can't you? The amount of money I've spent... Yeah. And because I've yeah. obviously I bought tickets before, he was like, Well, no, that's how much the tickets cost. I was like, No, it isn't, mate. I was like, I'll get a ticket, it'll be face value, it'll be 150, 160 quid. Yeah. And I was like, and that's not what you're charging me. So don't tell me that like this is I'm not an idiot. I'm not like but they they do they prey on people who want to go to things. Who are desperate to yeah, go. Yeah, who are yeah. really, you know, yeah. like a lot of people Which is think a lot of said us. it before. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people Take who buy tickets. Yeah, exactly. And the sort of people that would go and see, I don't, you know, I don't want to generalise, but the sort of people that would go and see Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran probably don't spend a lot of their time on ticket websites no. buying tickets for things. No. They just don't know how much tickets cost. I think maybe you said it before about someone yeah. buying tickets for the Killers or something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, and they paid like 400 quid or something. And they were like, and oh, they, is that, is that not how thought, much tickets cost? That's how much it is. Yeah. 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 And, and then they couldn't get in. And it's, um yeah, so, I mean, personally, I don't know if this will make a massive amount of difference or if they'll just find some sneaky way around it I'm sure they'll probably do their best but I would love to see Viagogo just vanish yeah I just love it I think it is just a matter of time it's just when it comes to these sorts of things and the law it just always ends up taking longer than you think it's going to take yeah but um, I can't it is only a matter of time before yeah. they disappear and I think like you know it would be easy for us to sort of I belittle Ed Sheeran all the time because his music's you know kind of zeitgeisty dull music but Ed Sheeran has really, really shined a light on the yeah. fact that this happens. Yeah. And he's, like, been, pre, you know, and, and and I know as well, like, Kilimanjaro, who who book Ed Sheeran, and, I, you know, I know Alan Day works for Kilimanjaro, who is, mm-hmm. just cannot stand these secondary ticket sites. Um, and he's had his hands tied by the business a lot of times, and it's, you know, and it, it's, it's not cool. And I, so I think what Ed Sheeran's ended up doing... Uh, by making such a big, you know, the biggest artist in the world, making such a big thing about going, if you buy the tickets from here, you're not getting in. You're not in. getting in. You're not getting yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And it's not because we, I don't want you there. It's because this company is a fucking joke. Yeah. I think that's that's brilliant. And yeah. That, and he's, he, he should deserve, he deserves a pat on the back. It's not often we're going to pat Ed Sheeran on the back. No, but no. A bunch of musicians who we would not be into their work mm. have done this, you know. Yeah. Um, um, uh, the lead guy from... You need six. six. Thank you. Yeah, Josh Franchetti. Yeah, he said that a lot and stuff like that. So, yeah, and fair play to anyone who does because there's a lot of pressure on artists to shut up, frankly. Mm. When I say pressure, I mean a lot of uh, money being thrown their way in some cases. There's a lot of underhand dealings, but like there's a there is a lot of pressure for these artists to not say anything. So, when they do and they're that big, fair play. Yeah. I'd buy sharing a drink for that. Yeah, me too. I mean, wow. Fucking hell. If if Ed Sheeran took money off you for a drink, 
something. And I'd be like, come on. <laughs> come on, mate. <laughs> come on, 10p a word here, mate. Come on. Um, anyway, uh, Ozzy said he doesn't like working with Tony Iommi, but he says he does love him as a person. Really? Yeah, he did an interview with the NME, Ozzy did, and he said um, he's kind of glad to be moving on away from Black Sabbath because as much as he loves Tony Iommi, he thinks Tony Iommi is the leader. I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but he Tony Iommi is the leader of Black Sabbath. He says, I'll tell you what it was like. It's like when you're younger, you meet a girl, Susie, and you break up and you don't see her for 30 years. Then she's in town and you go, oh, I'll give Susie a call because your memory only remembers the good parts and you can narrow it down to a week. And then you go, I remember that week and it was lovely. But then you go back and you go, I forgot the fucking four and three quarter years I was fucking miserable. So Hmm. he's had a little pop, which is a shame because you don't like, you know, I know some people you think you see people in a band or you see people doing a thing together and you think, oh, they're really good mates and they must be really, really good mates. But but it doesn't always work out like that. Stop fucking tweeting me about it, all right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's abnormal though, is it? you know no no like not at all our no. memories are very selective and yeah. the further from those memories we get mm. the more good things we remember i yeah, mean of course as pot shots go it's not no no i don't think a, I a think massive it's one anyway which rot have split up rimfrey i can't believe it which rot have split up who the fuck are which rot who are which rot i hear you ask well you I literally just did ask you that. did <laughs> Yeah, you literally did. You ruined my script. Sorry. Um, But look, I don't know. They're a Canadian metal band, but I just love the statement they put out, which has gone viral. Listen to this. Due to the unfortunate reality of our guitarist fucking my girlfriend of almost seven years, Witch Rock will be taking an extended hiatus. I, however, will continue the band in another space and time, being ripe with the hate with hate the music is slowly flowing and without doubt will become the most devastating torturous music I've ever created thanks for the support stay heavy Peter who's presumably in Rich Rock and then he's put at the end also our drummer died <laughs> I mean that's a brilliant statement isn't it and it made me go I'm going to listen to Witch Rock and they're actually quite good they're actually really? were quite good so it's I like, am now sad that Witch Rock split up it's like an R&B dub duo or something is that <laughs> what we're a, talking about they're a, they're a doomy metal band oh they're from Canada wouldn't have got that no name no not at all but yeah what a great like that's kind of gone viral that imagine that like i did not see that at all that's that's great yeah well fair play fair play to fair play to the guitarist what (laughs) no no don't behave like that fair play for airing your dirty laundry yeah i know fucking hell i know would never do that um jawbreaker have announced their final uh their first or not their final their first uk show in 25 years at brixton academy on the 27th of april does that excite you in any way because i you know i've got to be honest i'm not like what no 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 no. hold on hear me out i I don't really know jawbreaker one of those bands that i was always like oh yeah 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 i've heard the name i've heard the name i've heard the name um but I never really massively got into them because back then you had to actually go and buy things, didn't you? Ah, oh, I remember so, the days. Yeah, do you remember those? Actually, if you wanted to listen to something, you had to go into a shop and actually purchase it. Oh, and shops. so it took me a long time to actually hear, hear Jawbreaker. So I don't okay. have the same. What did you hear first? Do you? Um, sorry. Dear you? Dear you. I thought you said, did you? I was like, what did you hear first, did you? So like, that's not fucking... <laughs> what did you hear first, did you? Uh, I, I can't remember. I just, I okay. think I just started playing them through on... This is how long it's been. I think I just started playing them through on Spotify. Oh my God. Yeah. I've wrapped my hair around my chin have, in disbelief. Yeah. I know. Well, hold on. You, you're, I'm a, you're about to talk to me about Sugar, which you only heard this week. Uh, yes. Right. Yes. So, fair, do you know what I mean? Fair. Like, you know, that was a thing. Like, and they are from that sort of school of quicksand and... Yeah. Um, sugar and uh, jawbreaker and jawbox and the like so yeah 
The amount I, of times I've got Jawbox and Jawbreaker mixed up, though. It's yeah, embarrassing. Fucking though. idiot. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, exciting. I mean, I, I would like to see that. Yeah, but fucking I'm not 100%. like going mental like some people go mental. Do you think Brixton's a bit big though? I, I don't know. I think you can no, because I think that actually that actually that type of music can really work in Brixton Academy. Um, not in terms of will it work or not, just in terms of will they sell it? Will they? I mean, I think they'll. I think there'll be enough. Like I want to go. I want to go. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. I'm like as you, we've already established, I am kind of going out of curiosity and like kind of vague like mm-hmm. as opposed to the obsession that some people have i don't know i'm not sure i know it's a bigger deal in america than it is over here i'm sure definitely but i think mm. the only reason i say it is because jawbreaker strike me as a band I th- i'd say you're unusual actually in a sense uh in that um jawbreaker are a band who you either love passionately or you just meh about but mm. i think they're cu- quite culty i suppose yeah but i yeah. don't know i don't know I- i'd love to be proved wrong mm. I hope I am. Yeah. But I think yeah. we'll see. I think everyone from this country, from that era, yeah. who likes them. Is and, it, go. and it is just the one show in just London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, and people, people will. People are going to travel. People will travel for that. Ireland so. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotland and yeah. wherever. They will do that, I'm sure. Uh, all right, trade off. Let's do that. So you gave me, we're going to start with um, the Smashing Pumpkins. I'm not even giving you the option of that. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Oceana. That's what you gave me. We were talking yes. about Smashing Pumpkins last week. Yeah. You love the Smashing Pumpkins. I like them very much. I, I love, them, yeah. love the Smashing Pumpkins. And I realised that I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I think over the last few months, I realised that it would be inaccurate to say that I love the Smashing Pumpkins. What I love is Gish, Siamese Dream, <laughs> and Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Right, That's what right, I love. Right. And I didn't like Adore when it came out. And mm. I've gone back and listened to it. And I think it's not as bad as I remember it being, but I still wouldn't say I love it. I didn't particularly care for um, uh, Machina? Machina at the time either although I liked it more than I remember liking Adore, and I think it's quite good. Um, And then I heard a bit of Zeitgeist when that came out, Mm -hmm. and I was like, nah, not for me. So I've realised, actually, especially because I got all excited about seeing them, and then that excitement sort of went, well, we've 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 done done that to death, haven't we? (laughs) Um, I... Didn't I didn't bother with Oceana, and I listened to a bit of Monuments to an Elegy, yeah. Because as I said, I was doing that interview with Billy Corgan at the yeah. time, and I sort of had to. So my this least is favourite the... Pumpkins album, Monuments to an Elegy. Is it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I went into this going, "Dunno, mm-hmm. have no idea." Like mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't. And I, I get the feeling you like this a lot. I do. Do you? Right. Mm. Because the, the reviews for it, I actually I listened to it, and I thought. I wonder if people think this is good. I was trying to sort of second guess you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if people think this is good. Because mm. I don't really. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well. I'm not that bothered by it. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's bad, um, but I do prefer the new one. I prefer yeah. the new one to this. And I think it boils down to the fact that um, I don't find this that exciting. Oh, really? I don't find it particularly dynamic. I find it a bit dour. Um, mm. I do, yeah. Dower? No, maybe Dower's a Sounds harsh like my lover's winter and stuff. And... Yeah, maybe that's a, maybe Dower's a bit harsh, but I find it quite som- more somber than I okay. like the Smashing Pumpkins to be. Uh-huh, uh-huh, Do you know, yeah. like I think I said it last week. I like to hear that that kind of you know that the wailing siren guitar, that kind of flangy wash of guitar. Yeah, and I don't feel like there's that much of the thing that I really like about the Smashing Pumpkins 
that is on this album much. It feels like a very mature, which is cool. Mm. Like I think it's cool. Like it's it's obviously a much more mature kind of feels like a Billy Corgan. Like completely felt like Do a you Billy think Corgan. So? No, I I I, I I can't say I agree with a lot of this. I have to say, yeah. it's so I gave it. Well, to I looked at the reviews, and the reviews for it are really, really positive. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, and I did sort of go back again with that in mind, and go, maybe I should just say I like it. But then I was like, well, no, I'm not. No, no, do no, that. no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Um, I think um, so. I gave you this because uh, in the Smashing Pumpkins wilderness years, when it was Billy Corgan and other people. This, for my money, is by far the best record they released. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I don't want to... Uh, to be honest, in my opinion, the reason for that is because it's the most... It's the one which most sounds like their older stuff, which does sound quite... Uh, uh, well, harsh, I suppose, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. It, for, for an artist who constantly wants to move on, clearly. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there is quite a bit of the fuzz. Like, the opening... The the opening for Quasar, I think it's called, mm. has that drum bit come in and then the guitar lines. Yes, yeah, I like that. Wah, wah. Uh, that when if the f- the first song, the first like two or three songs on the first listen, I was like, oh great. Mm, mm. Um, and then it just sort of tailed off. Although actually really? saying that, Pinwheels is Pinwheels is great. Really, really, it's probably my favorite. That's probably my favorite song on it. Yeah, and yeah. that's again like that's a bit more, you know, leveled out. I think, and also it's. It's very, very good. Mm. And it's halfway through the record as well. So I think maybe, I mean, you, as you were saying before, there are a lot of people who go, oh, I'm a Smashing Pumpkins fan. And the reality is they like Gish, Siamese Dream and Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Yeah. You know? I imagine there would have been a lot of those people at the Wembley show, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um, because to sell as many tickets as they did at Wembley, you have to um, have casual fans. And I imagine that those would be yeah. those people. Um but yeah, I, I would say after those three, Oceanium might be my favourite Pumpkins record overall. Really? Yeah, wow, I hell. really like it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, might... I say wow. I mean, I, I don't know if I should be that surprised because mm. it's not like, well, from my perspective anyway, it's not like the the class, the quote unquote classic lineup did anything particularly amazing after that after Melancholy for me. And then you've got like all the kind of Billy Solo albums, really. So yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge. I actually I toyed with uh, giving you the Zwan debut album uh, over this, but I thought you yeah. probably heard it. So because there's one, I I think there's that's one record is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I it's love good. it. It is good. Yeah, um, it's like a happy Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. Like it's great. I I love it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I I, I we we had a bit of. Um, we had messages from some people being like, oh, I'm really glad you're going Oceania to yeah. Steve this week. Also had some messages uh, saying, you're really glad that you gave me sugar. So, mm. you know, um, but uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. I think it's fine. It's, it's fine. I think it establishes, I think if you don't like Oceania, there's probably not much point in delving any further into the Pumpkins back catalogue than you already have, yeah. I would say. That's probably a so, good shout. So that confirms that, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's funny to be a band that you would be like, oh man, I love the Smashing Pumpkins. And then I think, actually, do I? Yeah. Do I? Or am I quite... A ca- and yeah, and I've, I'm sort of going to have to now admit that I'm a fairly casual fan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, I mm. like the really good stuff. Um, and... 
And I thought it might be like, because I always, because I always thought, oh, I'm a really, I'm quite a casual fan of Pearl Jam. Mm. Like I love the first four, three, mm-hmm. love the first three. And then I really like Yield. Yeah, and I like the sort of the self-titled one and everything else. I'm like, well, you know. But That's having five seen, records though, out of ten. Yeah, five out of ten. <laughs> yeah, but still, but still, it's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, fairly, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? I thought I'd go along and see them and they'd play all kinds of stuff that I didn't know and I'd be like, Ugh. But actually, when I went to see them, I was like, oh, I'm a much bigger Pearl Jam fan than I thought I was. Whereas the Smashing Pumpkins seems to be the other way. Mm, where I'm yeah, suddenly yeah, going, oh, yeah. I'm actually not as much of a... I, if you'd have asked me in May who I preferred out of Pearl Jam or Smashing Pumpkins, I would have said Smashing Pumpkins. Mm, interesting. Whereas now I think I'd say Pearl Jam. It's because Pearl Jam grow with you. Yeah. Like a fine wine. Yeah. Um, I ordered those bootlegs the other day and I am very excited about it. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, so that's Smashing Pumpkins, Oceania. Oceania? That's not how you say it. Oceania, I think. Yeah. Uh, right, I gave you a legit classic. NME's best album of 1992. Yes. Bob Mould. Yes. Sugar, Copper Blue, yes. out on Creation Records. Yep. Um, let me just give you a little before I ask you what you think about Please the record. Do. I already know what you think about the record. Okay. It's the same as what everyone thinks about this record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I last week, like so, last week when I was deciding what should I give Renfrey, I really wanted to give you something by Creation Record from Creation Records. Now we were going to um, once upon a time. I suggested yeah. in our very very first episode, I suggested to you that we do a top five favourite Creation Records albums ever. Yes. Because I'd been, uh, again, I shouted him out last week, I'd do it again now. Matt Stocks, who does a Life and Stocks podcast, who's a very good friend of mine, and that is a really, really great podcast if you ever get a chance to listen to it. He did a fucking brilliant interview with Alan McGee. Mm. It is brilliant. And Alan McGee is one of the most interesting people in sort of modern music I definitely think. wouldn't deny that yeah, yeah if you ever watch um upside down the creation record story yeah. i'll lend it you on dvd tweet me i'll lend you it on dvd you've got to promise to give it back though and <laughs> uh it is fucking brilliant it's so brilliant the creation record story is amazing and they released so many brilliant records and i, I actually wanted to give you something from the kind of 1980s creation records mm-hmm. period that's what i was going to give you because you kind of went the reason we didn't do it because you went oh, i don't really know if i know that many records on, on well creation. i went through their discography and it and it emerged that i hadn't even heard five records that were released on creation i think i'd heard four yeah and i was like two of them i definitely wouldn't put in a top five of anything <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but um so i was looking to give you some sort of early creation record stuff and then i saw that i was looking at the kind of the early stuff and i was like oh yeah he did that released that Bob Mould solo album that no one gave a fuck about and sold like 7,000 copies or something ridiculous. And then I was like, I really ought to give you sugar. Because, um, and I know that's 92, so I know obviously I I went back on my, on my thing. But for, I mean, to, to cut a sort of long, to cut this story short, basically, I really wanted to give you something on Creation Records. And when you said you hadn't heard this, mm-hmm. I was like... Because I hadn't listened to it for ages. I hadn't listened to it for years. And then I just kind of happened upon it the other day and started listening to it. And I was just like, my goodness me, Renfrey, I ain't going any further. What do you reckon? Um, Do you know what I find highly embarrassing? And it is embarrassing Mm. because this record is fucking awesome. Yeah. I don't think I'd even heard of Sugar. 
Wow. I think, because I think you've made references to them on the podcast in the past. Maybe, maybe. But I was just kind of like, I'm just there going, yeah, he's, he means Sugar Ray. He's just super cool. Sugar fucking Ray. <laughs> and I'd be a bit like, okay, I don't know why he's going on about how great Sugar Ray are, but fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I was completely unaware that this even existed. So it mm. wasn't even, oh, that's a record I need to get around to. Husker mm. Do discography is very much something that I need to get around yeah. to. And this has made me want to do it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wasn't even aware that this existed. Um, before I wang on about it, can you just briefly tell me about Sugar and where they came? They were only about for three years, right? Yeah, what, it's what quick. Happened? I mean, I, in t- like Bob Mould, obviously Husker do split up. Yeah. Bob Mould did a kind of solo career and then right. he just formed, uh, which as I sort of pointed out, didn't really do very well. And then... The solo records. The solo records right. didn't do... I, I believe that... Um, Alan McGee says Bob Mould solo record that he first released. Alan McGee signed Bob Mould to go, I want to sign Bob Mould. Like mm-hmm. he was desperate just to get, but like he loved like all of the sort of, all of the, the creation record artists and all the people that used to hang around, they were just obsessed. They were like, Husker do. Oh my fucking God, this guy's a genius. He's one of the best songwriters around. And so when they split up and he heard that Bob Mould was going to do some solo material. He was like, I'm signing this guy. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't need to hear the record. I don't give a shit. I'm signing it. So he signed it, sold 7,000 copies. Mm. I think Bob Mould was a bit like, oh, you know, and I, th- I don't know if it's correct to say that Alan McGee went just get another band or something, but what, but for some, but Bob Mould formed sugar okay. uh, and the kind of after, you know, having a fairly, rough time with his solo career yeah. and again there's a there's a brilliant bit on the um the uh the creation record story the upside down the creation where where alan mcgee you just see him literally like this guy who's at this point kind of in his late 50s squirming around in his chair talking about the time that bob mole brought this record in for him to listen to he's like i've got this new band and he was like yeah yeah we'll sign it whatever we'll sign it and sort of thinking you know haven't been a bit burnt but alan mcgee's the sort of person who just goes no i'm doing it i don't care like if yeah. i lose money who gives a fuck yeah. and then putting this record on and just like going i just couldn't fucking like absolutely losing this shit um and it, it sort of comes in the aftermath of the sort of you know if they say in 1991 the year that punk broke <laughs> again um this is like the dude who kind of made the blueprint kind of picking up the pieces of of the stuff that he yeah uh he you know like you know nirvana and a year um, later the the, yeah. the the kind of the aftermath of nevermind and what was going on like so it was brilliant timing this perfect yeah out. great timing so why haven't i heard of it that's what fucks know. me off enemies album of the year in 1992 yeah yeah, I, I don't know, Matt. I, I, I don't know how this has passed me by, but I just think it's fucking glorious. It's like sunny and anthemic, but fuzzed up and in a really fucked up way at the same time. And um, I think a good idea is fucking amazing. Someone tweeted me and went, I'd never heard this album before and I've just listened to A Good Idea and it's now that I think it's the best song ever made. And I was and I thought, yeah, it could yeah. be. It could be. Yeah, I think yeah. Changes is fucking amazing. Yeah, fucking brilliant. I don't really think there's a, bad song on the record um, I, I would completely agree with you i would completely agree i don't think there's anything that i would change about this at all yeah this is their debut yeah what did they go on to do uh Any did more? a couple of other albums um, right in three then, years yeah Fuck. yeah yeah they got like so, so they were quick yeah, and they're all like and actually this became on twitter when i when i was listening to this and i gave it to you and um it became like <laughs> a conversation about like which I didn't really get that involved in because I was like I don't want to 
spunk it yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah. But um, it became a sort of a full blown conversation between a bunch of people going, "Oh, everything's great." They've ever like and arguing about which of the, the those oh, albums right. are the best. Oh, cool. Um, I would go and mate, you need. Do you know what? I think we need to save this because I think what we should do at some point is do some sort of Bob Mould special, much like we did with Jeff Buckley. By the sounds of it. Everything I've Bob Mould is one of those weird ones where everything I've heard him do I fucking love, and yet mm. for some reason I've still not gone in on it properly. I've like I'm desperate to get in on Husker Do. I'm told that Zen Arcade is the one to go for. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually have a uh, an, alt- an alternative um, view to that. I think Zen Arcade is great, but okay. I don't think it's the best one. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, the the first record you should go in on isn't always the best, though. No, so, no, 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 so. no, no. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's fucking amazing, and I'm ashamed to say I'd always heard of Husker Du and like vaguely knew who they were and stuff, but I hadn't actually heard Bob Mould probably until he guested on Wasting uh, Wasting Light, the Foo Fighters record, really which is mad up. and yeah. shameful. Yeah. Um, and when I heard him on that, I was like, who's this guy? He's fucking great. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's the Husker Do good guy. I should check them out. And 10 years later, uh, still haven't, or 11 years later, however long it is. But yeah, the, it, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, if you've a, not heard this, you have to listen to this. It's, it's a really, great. really, 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 really brilliant record. Yeah. And it is kind of um, burned on the retina of my mind. Is that a thing? That'll not do. Really. But fuck it. Anyway, yeah, Sugar, Copper Blue. I mean, I, I imagine at this point, there's either people that... That have never that have never heard it before they're going oh i'm going to listen to that or there are people who are going like oh of course of course you love it of course you do of yeah, course. yeah yeah it's yeah, one yeah. of those albums that i think anyone who listens to it who has an interest in kind of guitar music is going to fucking love it yeah because it's just absolutely brilliant it's and brilliantly that, put it's together weird, like doing like, having done claw finger and like gravity <laughs> kills and some of the weird shit that we've did done you, did you get the two for one tickets for claw finger yeah i bought um i bought 800 and it only cost me uh the price of 400 so yeah thank goodness uh, at good. least they'll have but a I'm sellout run yeah, but thing is, I'm not going to go, so it's going to be like a fucking um, right. It's going to be like be a like threatened. Yeah, it'll be threatened, isn't it? Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, but after doing that, it's really good, and and as well, you've given me a lot of bands who I haven't even heard of before, mm-hmm. uh, and it's cool to get these underground bands. But I like the fact that occasionally you can bring a fully fledged, legitimate classic record to the table, and neither or one of us haven't heard it before, yeah. and that's that's good. Yeah, I think I think I think. I have nothing to add mm. but apart from agree with all their sentiments so yes. I shall shut up now and I'm going to do it again next week Renfrey because hey. I didn't get to give you an 80s record okay. um, from creation I can't give you another creation record but I'm going to go in a similar kind of vein I'm going to give you Technique by New Order ah okay okay you know New Order right, don't you yes goodness, goodness me that, I'm not that special alright um I am going to give you the last, uh, well, latest album, I should say, mm-hmm. from Caspian. Oh, yes. Okay. It's called Dust and Disquiet. I right. think you already know what I think of it, but I will not say anything now. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I'm not going to say what I think about the New Order record either. Okay. But if you saw the other day, I was asking people what they thought the essential New Order album was, and I had an idea in my head. Mm-hmm. I've actually deviated from what most people said, but Ooh. we'll get to that next week. All right, so next week I've got Caspian, you've got New Order. Yep. 
Sweet. Right, let's do our little bit of um, roundup of some of the albums that roundup. we missed. Part one. Part one. So Because there is a part two next week. Yeah, we're going to do two weeks. We're going to just basically round up some of the albums uh, that we have missed throughout 2018. I know you said 17 then. Time flies, oh, doesn't it? God. You hate yourself. Um, <laughs> so the first one we're going to talk about is Only Love by The Arm. This is the third album from the Detroit-based Mental Bastards. <laughs> this is too much, isn't it, this record? <laughs> I, 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 well, I fucking love it. Yeah, I um, do. I thought it'd be right up your alley. Mate, it is. It's experimental, mm-hmm. noisy, chaotic, hardcore, but um, with shitloads of pop hooks. It has got like weird little things that creep up on you. Yeah. That sort of stick in your mind. Well, I think I'm going to say one minor criticism now because then the rest is just going to be going, oh my God, this record's amazing. Um, in my opinion, I'm sorry, it's another boring production thing, but I think the, and even though this is produced by Kurt Ballou, so I'm about to, you know, um, say something nasty. Steady. Steady. <laughs> um, I think they have gone for an approach where it's so raw and it's so dense. There's so much happening on this record most of the time yeah and there are so many layers you have to pick through before it doesn't sound like uh total noise in some respects it's relentless i I think it's relentless it reminds me if i was to compare it to an album of this year it would be the frontier album i think it's more dynamic than the frontier album but yes i see what you mean i'm yeah because what i mean is it's similar to the frontier album in that it is an absolute constant assault pretty yeah. much isn't it yes like, it's basically that, even, that, even the yeah. even the poppy bits are intense yes 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 like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. full-on intense all the way through and i thought their last record was very very in- intense but I think untitled yeah, brilliant yeah it's a great brilliant that is album. a great record yeah. but i think this is they've even i think they've upped that oh yeah definitely like, i definitely really agree. Agree. i think this is a mixture of um what was the band you just said um frontera frontera daughters yeah and yeah that's a good shout burden burden row right i think if you took all three of those bands and actually particularly all three of those bands latest albums and smushed them together you'd get something a bit like only love the daughter's comparison especially when you talk about the new record that is a good that's a good comparison because it can get quite bleak it can yeah (laughs) but what they have that daughters don't have and i'm not saying this is better or worse but they have far poppier bits Mm. which like daughters do grab a hold of you and put bits in your head but they're not kind of they're really yeah. melodious yeah you and know no fun no. not that this is fun <laughs> really. like they're still intense i but... think there are fun bits i don't think i wouldn't describe it as a fun record but there are yeah. fun bits i think well i think, <laughs> I, I think there the are majority some... of people if you describe this as fun think they think you're a bit odd i th- i think there's a song called fortune's daughter which is like track six or something like that and i think if that were produced in a less frenetic raw way mm. it could be like black bubblegum by dillinger yeah, or something that's, like that's that true. it's got a touch of i tell you what i mean again this band weren't fun but they always made they had a sort of jauntiness to them and that's the blood brothers yeah, there's and definitely some blood brothers in this yeah, yeah. so i think I, that's a good shout I, absolutely but anyway it's really really good and if you want something which is unbelievably intense yeah. and just fucking hard work. Yeah. Not 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 even hard work. I mean, 
it is hard work to sort of understand. You know, when you go like, oh, that kind of math, like converge a hard work to get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not even hard work in that way. It's just like, this is such a fucking hard, constant punch in the face. Yeah. Um, but it's still very, very good. Well, I was determined to get this into this roundup. I feel like I like it more than you, especially based on what I'm about to say. But I wanted to get this into this roundup because we reviewed Daughters and... Did we do Bird and Ray? We did, we did didn't Ray, we? Yeah. And um, Frontiera. And I think this takes the best elements of all those records and I think I slightly prefer it to all three of them. Yeah, I, um, I, the Daughters album, I think, is... Fucking, Fair enough, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's... Like, I would liked it at the time, but at this point, I think that Daughter's album is fucking outrageously fair. Fun. So, yeah, but it's very good. So that's The Arm. That's the first one. That's Only Loved. Only Loved. So only not Loved. loved. <clears throat> only Loved by The Arms. Right, now this one. This is interesting, because I hadn't heard of this band until about a week ago. And the good folks at the Download Festival Forum, um, they banged on about it. And they said, you should listen to that. And we went, all right. And we have. The band are called I Told You I Would Eat You. The album is called Odearism. We should it, say I Told You I Would Eat You is all one word. It's all, all one word, yeah. Case, and in capitals. Uh, no, it's all lowercase, isn't is it? Is it? Oh, yeah. but, well, I wrote it in capitals here. Well, that's wrong. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's seven of them. They're from London. Um, oh, where to start with this, Renfrey? It's a bonkers record isn't it yeah there's a lot going on the thing is is we've just been speaking about the armed which is an absolutely bonkers record yes. which is an, an intense ah everything's going on at once yeah this i often feel like i got it and then it became something else ah, but okay. i got that as well yeah 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 yeah. so i'd I've say written- this is intense in a world is a beautiful place i'm no longer afraid to die way uh-huh or the hotelier yeah or maybe a bit of restorations. Yeah. It's, um, but it's still, it's got, I think it's way more intense than that. Do I you? I think it's almost got, it, when it goes a bit correct, because there are points where it goes very wild, a lot wilder than mm. any of those bands. And yeah. I almost put like, if yeah. the Mars Volta were covering Jimmy Eat World or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what I mean? That sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It, it reminded me of, there's, uh, there was the little period that I, when I really liked indie music, when sort of Block Party and the Future Heads and I mean a lot of that, you know, I, I'm always like, oh, mid noughties indie was fucking shite. But there are a few like absolute gems, like yeah. Art Brute yep. um, and the two that I've just mentioned were in there as well. And, uh, you know, and there was a tonality that was kind of, you know, like Franz Ferdinand came out and they had that kind of, tonality to them which was very different to what indie music used to be yes. and I wouldn't compare this to Franz Ferdinand at all and it, I, I almost like, bits of it reminded me of do you remember the automatic what's yeah. that over the hill with <laughs> yeah, the monster yeah, you know yeah. they had that like oh, 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 that yeah, guy that yeah. awful guy like yeah. they don't they're way way they're better, better than, than way way better than the automatic but like tonally it's got that kind of very UK um, sort of mid noughties interesting indie sound to it but also mixed with really quite daring progressive elements and a clear love for the sort of the very best of American emo. And that is a really, really potent and exciting mix if you can get it right. It sounds... The record that it reminds me of the most from this year is that Wildcat Strike record because 
they're yeah. not doing the same thing but they're taking I, I saw a lot more emo elements in this again early emo rather than latter day emo um but mixing it with I like you say more progressive ideas and that reminded me of Wildcat Strike they do it in different ways but um I think if you like this record or you like the Wildcat Strike record, I definitely think checking the other out is well worth your time mm. um, because there are a lot of similarities and parallels. But the big thing with this band is they have a very unique character. This is their debut album. I know, yeah. And they have this quite unique character already, and that's pretty astonishing. So the last song, uh, Goodbye to All That, I think is it's that called. the rabbit in the hair? Yeah, thing. so yeah, it yeah. just has this... You know, it was. It starts with like a spoke. It's basically a spoken word fable, which yeah. goes over the top of the music. Um, and the first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh, I'm really not sure about Did that." Did you? I loved it the first time. Uh, I but it. Uh, yeah. now, I think it's one of the highlights of the record. It's fucking brilliant! I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Um, and there's a few moments like that, sort of vocally, where they do stuff. Where first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure." And really, I've sort of discovered through listening to it more that the only reason I thought that is that it felt so alien to me. Mm. I didn't know what to think, but now I love it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on on this record. A there's lot. There's a hell of a lot going on. Again, it's very dense, yeah. not in an armed way, but no, it is no, very no. dense and there is a lot going on and you will hear new things in it mm. for several months, several weeks, maybe years. And all of that is an amazing thing to achieve uh, on your album. debut album. Yeah. Um, I think this is fantastic. I think, I think it's, it's fucking really, great. Really brilliant. Yeah. 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 yeah really, really, really good. Really, really good shout from um, people who told us to cover this. Um, I would say without wanting to, you know, we've got five more albums that we're going to be talking about after that. I think it's comfortably the best thing. Oh, I don't know. But I mean, they're also varied. I don't yeah, know they're I really varied. That, really, but, but okay. Okay. Let me rephrase but that. It's I think it's good. comfortably the one that I will definitely go back and listen to. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Like almost certainly. It's the one that made to me it's to me it stands out from everything else. Because I feel like I've sort of heard something that's a bit like everything else that we're gonna be talking about today. There are very there are kind of very clear compar like artist comparisons to different artists that you could make on all the other records. Whereas this, like I say, kind of um Texas is the reason mixed with art brute mm -hmm. yeah yeah i it's definitely like, what is that does I, that even ever happened like that's not that, that's not a thing yeah you know what i, mean? like, I, def I definitely think it's one of the most unique records we talk about yeah um i think the armed has an element of that to be honest the arm does but then you know you can go we've said blood brothers you can't like yeah, yeah, you know yeah, there yeah. are yeah. obvious things whereas i i'm not quite sure that i've heard anything be I've heard the elements, but I'm not sure I've heard them... Squished together in yeah. this way. Squished, that's a word. Really good. So that's, I told I, I told you I would eat you, all one word, lowercase, odierism. Um, only came out a couple of weeks ago only, as well. Yeah, only came out a couple of weeks ago. It's really, really, really good. Uh, so the next um, album is a kind of a collection of two EPs. First two debut EPs from the artiste Louise Le Mans. Le Mans. Lemon. I want to say lemon because it's spelled lemon. It is spelled lemon. But it's lemon. But it's got a funny thing over the O. Yeah. Uh, it's called Purge. Now, um, I have been aware of Louise Lemon for Le a little while. I know um, uh, sub the subterranean section of Metal Hammer 
um, has featured her. Uh, in fact, actually, I think the front of the mag featured her. Really? Uh, That's and good. did a kind of like upcoming piece on her, which is wicked. Yeah. Because um, she very much fits the bill of the... Well, where do we go? I suppose Chelsea Wolfe is the kind of, would be the obvious one. Dark, I guess. Uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, Chelsea Wolfe, Anna yeah. von Hauswolf kind yeah. of um, atmospherics, female led, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yes, that sort of thing, of which there is a lot of at the moment. There is. But we've kind of admitted before on this podcast that we kind of love it all, more yeah. or less. It's just all really good. It's all really good. I think it's a good time to be making this type of music. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, I think this is very good. Mm-hmm. But it might be one of the first times where I've gone, I kind of feel like I've heard this done um, of a higher quality like it's not abyss by Chelsea Wolfe. Absolutely not. Do you no. know what I mean? No. It's not. It's not that. And I'm not saying that there isn't room for another person doing a similar sort of thing. But I was like, I think when, I think in a decade's time from now, when we look back at the the kind of the cream of this kind of I, movement, is it a movement? It's kind of seen this kind of uh, yeah yeah I yeah, think well, it, yeah you know like I'm not sure that the first name that pops into your head will be Louise Lemont on the basis of this. Um, Although this is two EPs, two days. Yeah, EPs. but that, that's the thing. Yeah. I think it's worth including because it is literally her debut material, Yeah, basically. And actually, considering that, it's of a pretty high standard already. Yeah. It's far... There are definitely people who don't get on with Chelsea Wolfe that could get on with this um, because it's less... Well, it's easier to get into, to be frank. Um, mm. I kind of... I think the reason it's worth mentioning it is if you are trying to get into a Chelsea Wolf or an Arrow Van House Wolf or something, but you kind of need a bridge, it's not a bad bridge because it's it's very melodious. It never kind of throws anything too challenging in your way. And from that respect, and just because her voice sounds a little bit like her, I was like, this is like a goth Adele. And I actually mean that as a compliment, right. believe it or not. Like, I think her voice is, she's not as histri- histrionic as, oh God, that sounds like a bad word to use. Um, she's not uh, uh, She's not as kind of operatic, uh, I guess, as Adele is. No. But her voice has a similar quality, I think. There were times where I was like, that could totally be Adele doing that. But she's singing about far darker stuff, um, generally. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It just sort of struck me as it would be a good bridging point. And also like, like we said, this is her debut material. So I think it's a bit, we'd have to wait a couple of records to assess whether she would, she would actually be put up with the Chelsea Wilson Emma. Yeah, I think I I steamed steamed in a bit there, didn't I? Yeah, but I I understand what you're saying. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think on the basis of this, it was like, is she just going to be another one? Is she just going to be, like you say, a, a less... Because, I mean, that, that's the thing, I think, that, that's so great about the, this kind of... Um, these artists is that they do feel so challenging. Like, whether you kind of like it or not, like, there's something really honest and really challenging and really kind of... Um, uh, yeah, really fresh about all of it. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't feel the same level of awe mm-hmm. that I feel when I listen to like Oathbreaker or mm-hmm. whatever um, as I did in here but I just thought it was a good record like it's good yeah 
but that was that was about the sort of I, the theme I, of it. So let's. I hope. I would. I would like to think that she does deliberately try and make you know more um, more kind of interesting stylistic decisions as mm. she progresses. Mm. We'll see. I, I I do like it a lot. She is playing Roadburn Festival. Yeah. Um. So they've obviously picked up on it enough to go. Yeah, this is quirky and avant-garde enough for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's nothing yeah. that's going to challenge you particularly. I think the 32 minutes that it's on when I listen to it, I listen to it a fair amount just because it's really nice and easy to listen mm. to. It does create... An, it does evoke a mood and create an atmosphere and ch- it changes you know, the molecules in the room and it makes everything feel a bit different. And I mm. think that's quite an achievement on a debut album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, or two I, I, debut EPs, or two debut EPs, exactly. I mean, I, I, I like this a lot. I, I, I am a sucker for this sort of thing, and I would definitely, I would never say it's the best of, you know, the bunch mm. in the bands we've been talking about. But you know, if you really like this sort of thing, you'll probably get something out of it. I'd be I surprised think, yeah, if you absolutely, don't. you definitely will. I mean, I, you know, I'm just trying to find critical fault yeah. in it I guess yeah 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 that's, that's fair thing. but anyway it is it, you know like I actually I, you know I enjoyed it to listen to you're quite right yeah. it's very very like it's a nice and enjoyable yeah. um, and uh, it's got that kind of a chill to it that yeah. the best of these artists have so yeah it's good Purge by Louise Le Mans, that was um, next album is from Of Love it's called True uh, it's not a cover of the Spandau Ballet song <laughs> So mad. Um, it is actually the second album from the, the Newtown, Connecticut Quartet, who are who I know nothing about. Renfrew. I'm not yeah. even fucking muck around here. I know nothing about this band, but you obviously do because you well, brought it in. So they, um, God, they formed a while ago, um, and this is actually their first album in five years. So there's five years between their debut and this second album. The debut album is called AM. It came out in 2013. It's a bit scuzzier, a bit more raw. Mm. Um, but they have garnered, a, particularly in America, a very cult following very, very quickly. Right. Um, another thing is this. I'm trying to remember who brought this to me. Do you know what? I think it was Andy from Palm Reader, believe it or not. Was it? Yeah. Which which is slightly surprising because he usually... He does doesn't bring... like anything, does he? He like, literally doesn't <laughs> like anything. He brings a lot of great music to you and I, but um, it's usually on the more chaotic mental end. Mm. And... Um, this is kind of uh, I saw it as a mix of the slacker end of Dinosaur Junior with the shoegazy elements of nothing, and then the emotional heft of like beach slang or something like that. Yeah, I, I would again chuck in some sort of indie references to that as uh-huh. well. Yeah, I would say the sort of the the American indie of the late eighties. I mean, uh, probably not REM. I was going to say REM then, but certainly like um, like Pixies and Pixies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, is big, but it's Definitely. got bigger guitar. Like not yeah, bigger guitarists than the Pixies. It feels fatter. Like yeah. I thought, I like it. It's, it's got like. Hmm. I mean, where would I can see them playing with Queens of Stone Age? I yeah. could kind of see yeah. that, especially yeah. Queens of Stone Age of 2018. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this. It's good. I think it's really decent. Um, I, I have to say, it, it's it's. I thought it was worth bringing in because there's clearly something happening with it in terms mm. of people who love this really fucking love it. Mm. Going back to Metacritic again, uh, the site that aggregates review scores together. Um, it has a score of 86 on Metacritic, wow. which is very high. Like the highest record of the year has a score of like 91 or something mm. like that. So people who like it are fucking obsessed with it. 
um, and you know really want to talk about it. I don't feel like I'm at that level, but uh, but when this is good, I think it is really really good. And there's a song on it called Sprite, which is just fucking amazing like if all of these songs were of sprite quality then i'd be like this is one of the best records of the year mm. so good less sprite and more seven up all the way through <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> i don't know what that means i think seven up's tastier than sprite personally um i'm, I'm a sprite girl sorry oh yeah yeah Mm. Um, I'm going to quote one thing just because I thought it was well there's, there's something from Dusted I don't know it's, this is like a blog um, but this writer Jennifer Kelly just wrote a brilliant thing about this record which said the album is over before you want it to be only the final track grab it from the garden topping uh, topping five minutes and you leave feeling you've been swept by a breaking wave tossed in boiling foam for half an hour and abandoned somewhere down the beach gasping and gloriously alive bloody hell is that how you felt listening to this well, I think she's been given a very generous word count <laughs> <laughs> that she's had to fill. Um, I thought I thought that was I thought that made sense. I could totally see that with this record. There's just yeah. something when when you play it, you're in its world for the whole record. It's not very long, but then when it ends, it's like, huh, what just happened there? That mm. that was good. That was pleasurable. I think I thought it was all right. Okay, yeah, I thought it was all right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was a perfectly enjoyable way to pass the time. I wasn't like absolutely blown away by it I yeah. have to say and I certainly didn't feel how I wasn't chucked in a volcano or whatever it is that she just said. sorry Jennifer Kelly yeah um, so but I think it's good to me it's a good um, interesting kind of modern take on indie rock I wouldn't yeah. say much more than that to yeah be okay okay do you think it fits in with like the nothing yeah yeah all that stuff I think all the all the, all the comparative points stuff. Are, yeah. yeah all the comparative yeah. points are, are good and I think there's, they've got some good riffs as well they do like when you hear his voice it is quite a kind of um, softer indie style voice and you don't yep. always get like fat guitars yep. on it, so that I did like that which is sort of puppy-esque in a way isn't it it is a bit yeah it um, is a bit. I think the best actually we have not talked about the best thing about them I think their guitar tone is the best thing about them yeah I really guitar like the guitar tone fucking outrageous um, but it is it is kind of like I feel like there are songs that ride on the fact that that guitar tone is amazing rather mm. than the songs being amazing, personally. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. only a few. It's really good. It is good. It's, it's really good. good. It's a good record. It's a decent record. Uh, that's Of Love. True. All right, we've got um, three left. The next one is Kississippi, Sunset Blush, the debut full-length album from the Pennsylvanian Dream Pop, Shoegazy Indie. What would you... How would you go... I went with Dream Pop. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I fine. Like dream pop. Yeah. So, um, again, I don't really know much about this band other than this is their debut record. Mm -hmm. You brought this in again. You'd been actually banging on about this record for a little bit. Yeah, I have to I have to give um, some credit to Rewall here, uh, who told me about this record, and it is fucking great. It's really um, good. I really wanted to bring in something a bit... Um, we, we, we tout ourselves as an alternative music podcast, but because of our kind of... Uh, backgrounds and backgrounds previous employment. and previous employment we get a lot of rock stuff and a lot of metal stuff mm. but then getting the uh indie acoustic -y stuff or, or pop stuff sent to us gets harder sometimes so yeah. um but i just thought this was a really good example of a great dream pop album that came out this year that i've seen a few people talking about but not many to no. be honest no no um 32 minutes everything about this record just radiates heat yeah you lush, put it on it? it's lush. really lush um it's really i mean just from the title sunset blush to the uh, just just the production and the sunny melodies and the mm. disposition stuff 
Um, the vocalist Zoe Reynolds is actually singing about some pretty shitty stuff. Yeah, it's dark. It, you know, it's lyrically fairly fairly dark. But it, I just want to listen to it in the summer. Yeah, exactly. Do you know exactly. What I, mean? like, I can't wait. I listened to this and I was like, oh, this is going to sound so good in the summer. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It really will. Like, it came out in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it came out in hearing May. Hearing it now is like, this is not really the time for this record. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they write, so because they're, they're these horrible, um, thematically, these lyrics about sort of breakup and all this kind of sort of thing, but over these sunshine melodies, it kind of reminded me of like, I don't know if you're driving along and you start hitting the steering wheel and start like trying to fight back tears, but singing really loud kind of thing. It feels like that sort of record. Yeah. I don't know if that actually translates as like, sounding um, like anything. Joey Maguire when he sings, cause I'm free, free falling. <laughs> Quite exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, like Jagged Little Pill would have been one of those records. Yes. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I'm not saying this sounds like Jagged Little Pill because no, no, it, it, doesn't it doesn't really, but that level of kind of like it's sunshiny and melodic and happy sounding, mm. but inside there is a wrenching pain and guilt and pain. That it's got, I mean, it's clearly from a school of, I reckon it's written by someone who loves Kim Dill and Kim Gordon mm-hmm. and those kind of artists. And I think she, uh, Zoe Reynolds, I think she sounds like Karen O when she's being melodic. That's a good joke. Which is not a bad thing. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. And it's got, re- yeah. And it's really, again, the kind of, I like the, 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 the guitars on it are great. The sound of, like you say, that wash of guitar. Yeah. So Beautifully produced. This sounds album, great. Isn't it? And yeah. the way she kind of, it's not really riffs on it particularly. No. It's just sort of like these long sort of, lackadaisical strums and it all kind of rings it and it just it just sounds pretty yeah you know I mean? it just yeah. sounds really it sounds pretty, pretty but it has a dark heart you know and yeah and yeah then that's it isn't it it's a yeah. kind of it's a tro- it's it's a trojan horse of emotion oh can have that there we go yeah episode title but um yeah uh but it's really good like really really good i like this a lot yeah and i think if I like it in December, imagine what it's going to sound like in June. Exactly. I mean, I'll still be pissing it in June, but you know. July then. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's Kississippi, Sunset Blush. Right now, oh God. Um, Oliver Arnolds. Oliver Arnolds. Oliver Arnolds. Remember is the next album. Uh, Oliver Arnolds is an Icelandic composer. Um, this is very, very different from anything else. Maybe anything with the. Possibly even with the exception of the Tom York uh, soundtrack album we did. It's not yeah. really like the sort of thing that we have, have covered up until this point at all. I no, don't I don't think so. No. But it's his so. fourth um, studio solo album. Yes. But he does have an incredibly vast background. Ridiculously vast and varied. Huge. And he is 32, which 32. upsets me greatly. Yes, Fucking he's, he's done a lot. He um, uh, he did the the most famous thing he's done, certainly in the UK at least, he did the soundtrack for Broadchurch. Oh, right. Okay. Which is probably the biggest thing he's done in the UK. But yes, very kind of sparse, spatial instrumental for the most part i think this whole record is instrumental but she, he yeah does, it, so he does. basically i think there's a couple I, I felt like there were vocals not they're not even vocals i felt like they were kind of whispers in the background yeah exactly at some point exactly um this is a record that uh, 
I think, like I say, it's not really like anything that we've covered before. I guess the closest kind of comparative point that would be really obvious to people who maybe don't know anything about this, and I would include myself in that, would be someone like Ludovico Einaldi, mm-hmm. who's the kind of Radiohead-inspired classical, like modern classical pianist who's mm-hmm. become, you know, quite a big deal. This is, but this is way, way less showy than that not even showy because i don't think ludovico Arnaldi is showy but it's you can hear stuff like they that sounds like songs this is almost it, it sounds like a score to me do you know what i mean it, yeah it, it does have a score like quality mm. it's it's very ambient um yeah progressive instrumental music yeah. but very ambient and very chilled lots of space in between the notes quite a lot and it, you know it's definitely not for everyone i was i wanted to throw it in because we've not covered anything like this yeah um and this is sort of contemporary classical yeah. music but through a bit of a post-rock filter mm. um or maybe the other way around actually post-rock through a classic contemporary filter yeah um but oliver is an artist i've I've been into for years and years and years and I really wanted to cover this because I think this is sort of the culmination all of the stuff that he's done over the years he's done so many different things like looking at folk songs and looking like there are some distorted guitars in some of his earlier work and stuff like this a lot of soundtrack stuff he's worked with um Arna Dan from um Agent Fresco yeah I was gonna I wondered actually if there was a sort of link between yep. them because yeah yeah because obviously that scene is quite small and mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a similar vibe yeah yeah um arna was his previous album for now i am winter arna guests on about a third of that record um so they're more sort of traditional songs because mm. uh, actually vocals and guitar uh, but vocals as well and all that kind of thing um but i just think for starters when i heard this record a few weeks after it came out actually i didn't expect it to be in my opinion, anywhere near as good as it actually is. Um, And not only that, but it's just a brilliant culmination of everything he's ever done. And I would say, if you were interested in getting into that more ambient kind of thing, not a bad starting point, certainly for him. Um, I'm curious as to what you think. You're muscling around a bit. I I like it a lot. Oh, great. Yeah, I really do like it a lot. Yeah, I do. I think it's it's some kind of undertaking mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i think that it requires patience it requires yep. dedication and it requires um uh a quite a keen ear as well mm-hmm. um it's a lot of subtleties yeah it's very very subtle it can be the sort of thing that just drifts off in the background and you forget it's on but at the same time uh, well i was about to say i suppose in that sense it is challenging but like you just said you can put it on in the background and almost God, this is going to sound wanky, but take it in subconsciously. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you could totally do that. I, um, so I often will play FIFA while I'm listening to music. Right. And right. I put this on while I was playing FIFA the other day <coughs> and I played it all the way through and I was like, none of that stuck. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I think yeah. it's, um, you can't do something like that no, and listen to it. No. But no. then when I listen to it again, just sort of lying on my sofa, and I was like, it's actually, it's really relaxing. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah. And there were parts of it where I was like surprised by what was going on as well. And I thought cool. it was kind of the the, composi- the composition of the music is, is very interesting. But I don't, it would be wrong, like, you know, having spoken about 
like the armed and gone, oh, it's hard work. I mean, it's not hard work in not that, in that way. way. No, it's not. Hard, and, and you would listen to it, and on the surface, it doesn't really feel like hard work mm. at all. Mm. It feels mm. like quite a simple, you know, nice, relaxing, ambient, melodic record. But if you do want to kind of think about think about it and consider what it actually is and what is going on, yeah, I think it's you know it is actually he's you know that's why like for me Ludovic Arnardi was the initial. Um, the original kind of initial like, okay, well, it, it kind of sounds like that. But mm-hmm. then I listened to Ludovico and Nardi, but my mum is an absolutely like massive, she loves him. She absolutely loves him. Mm-hmm. So I've listened to, I've listened to quite a lot of him as cool. well. And, but it always feels like a song. It always feels like something's going on. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, with yeah. Ludovico and Nardi, even if it's very minimalistic and even if it's very kind of like very, very melodic and very sparse. Whereas this, there are points where much like you said about Mogwai at the top of the show, actually, mm-hmm. like it can get so quiet that you wonder if it's still on. Yep. Um, uh, and, and it really, yeah, it, it's very good at kind of building and releasing tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a good, it's, it's very, very, very well put together. I'm not sure how much I would, you have to you have to be in a certain state of mind to listen to this. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But then you have to be in a certain state of mind to want to listen to the armed. Of course, yeah. You have to be course. in a certain but state of mind to want to listen to daughters. You yeah, to, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely worth pointing out to people because I think definitely. some people might go, "Oh, it's just like piano music." Like, oh, I can put that on. I think yeah. if you want to get the most out of it, you're not going to get the most out of it playing FIFA. Definitely, especially not. when you no. losing to Oxford. Like, no yeah. way. I've spoken in I the was. past about. <laughs> I've spoken in the past about day records and night records. Mm. This is a night record. Yeah, for sure. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, undoubtedly. You're not going to put this on on your commute to work in your headphones no, in the morning. Like, no, no. I don't think I would ever put an Oliver Arnold's. As well. no. It's a, um, probably a beautiful hangover record. Yeah. It's a great... You could probably fall asleep to it, I imagine. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of... I, I'm I'm actually massively into a lot of this ambient stuff. I think it's really wonderful. And as I grow older, I like it even more because it's yeah. kind of like, it takes a little chaos out of my day for 45 minutes. Um, mm. So I, I I just love it. Um, we were talking about Stars in the Lid on the first, uh, on episode zero and stuff yeah, like that. We were, and this yeah. is reminiscent of that mm. um, sort of, I mean, they're debatably even more ambient. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think it's fantastic and well worth bringing to people's attention if they Definitely. want to try that kind of thing. Definitely. So yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree. So that is Remember by Oliver Arnolds. And if you like it, fuck me, you've got a shitload of stuff to go and listen to afterwards. Yeah, he's got he's got like, I'd say at least 10 records yeah, in total, yeah. but loads and of really interesting... with other people. And yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. If you out. like this and you want to be pointed in the right direction, then just give me a shout on Twitter. Yeah. So let's do our last record. And this one is probably the one, well, not even probably, there's no probably about it. This is the biggest record by far. Um, We talked about the fact that we were thinking about reviewing it and we weren't really sure whether we should or not. And so we decided to go and listen to it and then bring it back. It's 21 Pilots. Trench is the name of the record. It came out about um, six weeks ago. came out in October. came out in October, yes. It came out about six weeks ago, I reckon. And it is the fifth album from the duo that are headlining the Reading Festival next year. Yeah, we're co-headlining, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still. Still. That's big. That's huge. That makes you big. You're like the Foo Fighters or the Red Hot Chili Peppers or... Do you know what I mean? You're in that One of Eminem, one of them bands. That is how big you are. Now, we said last time when the record came out, previously... 
uh, you know, I write for Metal Hammer, for God's sake. I'm <laughs> yep. probably not going to ever really have to need to listen to 21 Pilots. But as we have set ourselves up as an alternative music podcast, and as 21 Pilots are the biggest new alternative, quote-unquote, thing in the world at the moment, mm-hmm. it seems like it should be something that we at least acknowledge in some way because we don't have the the kind of the, the smaller boundaries that some of the other things that we've previously done do. Um, Renfrey, do you want to kick off on 21 Pilots? Did um, you have any kind of expectation? Did you have any previous ideas about 21 Pilots as a band? Yeah, most of which were kind of not correct, it seemed. Um, and most of it was from hearing hearsay and hearing people talk about them rather than actually listening to them myself. Mm. Um... I think um, I probably thought that they were a little blander than they are. I think one thing, you know, 21 Pilots, they're not bland. For for mainstream music, they're yes. not. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and I thought they might be a bit blander. I didn't think they genre hop as much as they do and all this kind of thing. So I was, I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised, but my expectations were pretty low. To yeah. be totally honest. Yeah, yeah. Me too. But I've listened to this album a fair amount. Um, probably half a dozen times over a few weeks. Mm. Um, we, It's 14 tracks long. It's 56 hour, minutes. Yeah, 56 minutes long. Yeah. It is too long, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, definitely too long. it's too long. Probably three tracks too many. Um, definitely goes downhill towards the end. When he starts talking about his pet leopard called jason statham or whatever it was i was like all right i'm kind of done with you now mate um but when this record is good i think it's really fucking good some very good songs on it yeah i think the opening track um, jumpsuit jumpsuit is brilliant jumpsuit my god when i first heard that song i was like yeah it's all right i it's in my head mm. a lot mm. um but in a good way, I, I, I do really like that song, yeah. yeah. I really like Jumpsuit. Um, there's a song called Chlorine on it, which Chlorine's is great. fucking great yeah, as well. Yeah, I really That's like Chlorine. Really, really good. Do you um, like the hype? I like the hype, yeah. I like um, Cut My Lip as well. I think that's okay. good. I think Neon Gravestones is worth mentioning. Yeah, that's really uh, good. That's a really good song. Um, and, you know, I was kind of thinking about it and, like, when... I was growing up, and probably you to a degree, there's five years between us, but when I was growing up, the music that was popular and mainstream and selling out arenas was boy bands and girl bands, primarily. Yeah. When I was kind of like 10 to 15 sort of thing. And, you know, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, I would much rather we have the 21 Pilots selling out um, Wembley Arena than Westlife, you know, because there's nothing... The, a Westlife or a Spice Girls or whatever is all manufactured and no substance. Mm. Whereas this, I mean, this is a concept record. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think it's obviously a concept record because no. I didn't realise that until a few days ago and I've been listening to it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but but it is a concept record. You know, I don't recall Backstreet Boys doing concept album. Well, it was that one time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, <clears throat> I had a little brief read about what the concept was about and i thought it was a you know kind of mumbo jumbo stuff but then at the same time if you want to get into that stuff the fact that those layers are there you can Mm. so i think that's kind of cool yeah yeah Um, i mean i'm not entirely convinced i have to be honest i'm not of 
this band. Okay. I'm not entirely on board with it. I, I, I think there are moments on this record that are very good. Yes. I, I still... I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure, even with the terminology alternative. I'm still not even completely sure it is what a tricky they one, are the it? alternative to and what that now means. And yeah. I think, but but listen, they are so much better than someone like Imagine Dragons. And yeah. if you think their peers are probably well, it's not Maroon Five because Maroon Five have been around for ages. But when you think of the kind of acts and artists that are similar to them they are they are better yeah like they're definitely better mu- they seem to be better musicians they seem to have more ideas we spoke last week about Mumford and Sons yeah who we both like mm-hmm. right and I was really 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 disappointed with the Mumford and Sons record and I was particularly disappointed that they just fell into the trap of doing the same thing that everyone else mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. right and and lots of rock bands are doing that now, mm-hmm. you know. And and when we say, oh, the, the, the Mumford, you said yourself, like, if this is experimental, the Mumford and Sons record, yeah. like, I'm not saying 21 Pilots is experimental, but it is more experimental than the Mumford and Sons record. In mainstream terms, this is, or is this as experimental as it gets? I mean, I think that's, it's, it's I think there. that's very, very upsetting if that's the case. Yeah, I agree, actually. Because it's, it's still, a, like, it's a world away from being genuinely experimental. Yeah, yeah. And when you think of how, well, I mean, we mentioned, we reeled them off last, you know, million selling our bands, James Addiction, Radiohead, mm-hmm. um, Faith No More, like, whoever, whoever you want to go to is your kind of, like, that yeah. period's experiment. Yeah. I mean, you think about how experimental about the driving were and that was what people looked at and you know it, it does feel like a shame that it's been reduced to this and this is now looked at as experimental mm. but in terms of songs if, if you just look at it and go are these songs any good are they any good half of them are i was gonna say 14 tracks i reckon six or seven are actually very good yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think they are um but i i'm i really I mean, we've just been talking about we've just been talking about a, a, a classical sort of a, an, an ambient classical pianist from Iceland, mm. Mm. Uh, and yet to me that still feels more in keeping with the sort of stuff that you and I would usually listen to than Twenty yeah, Pilots does. I agree, and I'm not quite sure. I'm not. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is that's making me go in. I just, I just, I, this is going to sound really snobby. I just don't quite trust them. <laughs> I, don't, I, know, I just don't quite trust them there's a sheen on it all which makes me understand what you're saying mm. um and going, i mean you're a man who has dismissed an entire genre of music based on how it's produced when you think of your feelings towards one of the things but when you think about how you, you know you went <laughs> oh, i can't get the art exam because of the way it's produced i mean for me like I think good songs will always shine through even if the production sucks or whatever. And I think the good songs shine through on this, but I do go, it's still got that thing. It's still got that thing that I just really, really can't get with. I Mm. really can't. And it feels to me like it's got way more in like foxing are a great example of like, I was like, Oh, I don't really like it when they do that kind of mainstream production bit on the foxing album. But if you've got foxing on one side and then say, um, Ed Sheeran on the other. To me, Twenty One Pilots still sit far closer to, to Ed, Ed Sheeran, Sheeran. Oh God, yeah. than they do to Foxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's 
that's the problem is I mm. don't really know where is this a gateway to anything else or does it just exist on its own I don't know it feels like there's a lot of bands who are just trying to mix as many genres as they can um yeah and there's an element of that with this but maybe that's a new genre in and of itself I mean you know we're constantly being told that musicians are running out of ideas and stuff I think that's piffle to be honest but you know constantly being told that and I think new and exciting music comes out of mixing genres together. And this mm. is like a mix of a mix of a mix of a mix. Almost. Yeah. Um, whether I just wonder whether dilution becomes so much. That, yeah, yeah, that you sure. just don't know what it even is anymore. But it sometimes just... it's possible to mix elements together without diluting any yeah, of them. I'm not saying 21 Pilots do or don't do that. I think sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, to mm. be honest. Um, but, you know, Rage was a mix of classic rock and hip-hop and neither. Yeah, no, but, but that, that's a mix of two things, two very... And they were very clear. Yeah, clear-cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. what they were mixing Oh, yeah. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas exactly. I'm not sure... There's a lack of clarity as to what this band actually are to me. And maybe yeah. that's... Maybe that just doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe I mean, not. It might, maybe it just actually... Maybe but, I'm looking at something and, and it actually doesn't actually matter. Well, I, I'm wondering if that's a hang-up. Oh, is this a classic kind of older people don't get it thing? It because, might be. Because yeah. we, growing up, would have been very genre-led. For yeah. As we've talked about millions of times on this podcast. Whereas a newer generation of kids, kids, people in their 20s, maybe going up to their early 30s, aren't genre focused mm. in the way that we were mm. and so therefore this is probably totally natural to them mm. and they wouldn't see that at all that's a guess but that's what i would wager i don't know yeah um but yeah i mean 21 pilots are very much a product of their time mm. whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know particularly but they, they you know i don't 21 pilots couldn't have existed 20 years ago i don't no. think not in certainly not within the walls of what we're talking about no um but it's not a bad, I mean, it's not a bad record. No, it's really not. It's not really not. At all. Again, reviewed really well. It's got a high, no, it's got a low 80 score on Metacritic. So people liked it. People who know more about 21 Pilots than us liked it. Mm. Um, like I said, there's no way you would, I, there's no way I would have guessed it was a concept record from the first four or five listens. But does that matter? I mean, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of when a concept is, is, shoved down my throat so i don't mm. necessarily think that's a bad thing i think yeah. i didn't know leviathan was a concept record for several years so you know i don't think I'm that's pretty a bad sure thing. that's the first time 21 pilots and mastodon have ever been compared <laughs> to each other but it's all good uh, yeah it's decent so there yeah. you go yeah 21 pilots trench is out if you want to listen to it i mean if you, if you want to yeah if you want to it's, <laughs> it's probably the record i'm least excited about that we've talked about today I don't know if I think it's the worst, actually. Oh, controversial. Uh, hold on, let me just double check if I think it is the worst. Let me go through what we've just talked about. Oh, well, let me just go through a minute. So we talked about The Armed, One Love, uh, Only Love, sorry. One Love, that made me go. <laughs> one Love. Bar. Yeah, so we did. These are just a recap. Only Love by The Armed. Uh, I Told You I Would Eat You, Oh Dearism, that's my personal favourite. Louise Lemont, Purge, Of Love, True. Um, which is the kind of the, uh, the 90s, sort of indie shoegaze, 90s shoegaze, yeah. yeah. Um, Kississippi Sunset Blush, Dream Pop debut album. Um, Oliver Arnold's Remember, which is the Icelandic composer, and the aforementioned 21 Pilots with Trench. So, you know, next week we're going to be whatever doing... the hell they want to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, let's throw to you and Mike Venner talking yep. about Iron Maiden. 
their best songs. Ever. How many? Five. five. Yeah. They've got five good songs, have they? Fucking hell. Wow. <sighs> anyway, let's find out. You find me in a uh, empty Boston music room, which is a really odd... I'm used to being in this room, Mike, when there are shitloads of people in it. So I've never been in it with just one other person. Nice. So this is a very... It feels like being in a school hall. Like we're <laughs> yeah. in detention or something like that. But I am joined by, um, God, one of the musicians who I have... <laughs> probably uh, interviewed more than any other <laughs> well I was going to say bigged up the most with Riot Act and said some unbelievably uh, uh, positive things about Mr. Michael Venart Mike Venart? Yeah, Mike Venart you yeah you can call me either my mum calls me Michael sometimes <laughs> that's about it how are you sir? I'm good man I'm good. a bit fuzzy I mean I had a day off yesterday but I think I'm just old and tired <laughs> but I'm feeling good it's going to be we're playing Tufnell Park Dome tonight, never played there before. Mm. And there's always just that air of expectation with London. Um, well, it's usually more nerve-wracking than this, but I'm okay. Yeah. Like today, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really care. I'm like, <laughs> it's a gig, man. They're all, they're all we're, we're playing well, so I'm and sure. And you yeah. are touring your second, we can call it a solo record. That's you can, accurate, yep, yeah, I feel rotten about it. To cure a blizzard on a, a, upon a, upon a plastic, plastic sea. sea, yeah. Um, I was inspired by the absolute audacity of that band in 1975 and their frankly embarrassingly long album title. <laughs> embarrassingly long and embarrassingly content-free, um, just linguisticism, absolutely bereft of it. As and a uh, thought I'm I'd try. Sure, I'm not sure linguisticism is a word. I will say well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sorry, that's it. It's the second album, and it's. Um, I think that. I don't know, it seems to have gone down better even than the last one, and that yeah. went down okay. So I love it. I've been yeah. very complimentary about yeah, it, indeed. No, you, you know all of that. Yeah. You know all of that. We are going to talk about that a little bit, but mm. actually, primarily, what we're talking about today is, um, I think it's fair to say, one of your favourite bands. Absolutely. Great. Aye. Um, but a band that I've not really heard you talk about loads in the press. Privately, no. we've talked about them quite a bit. Yeah. But um, not a lot in the press, so... Um, Iron Fucking Maiden, I believe, is their full <laughs> title. Actual fucking Maiden. <laughs> yeah, we, we go way back. I think that there's a lot to be said for music that hits you at a certain age, never quite leaves you. Absolutely. Um, usually around your teenage years. Yeah, usually, but this actually came to me a lot younger. Ah. And then, uh, yeah, when I, it was when I was... It, well, they put out somewhere in, somewhere in Time in 1986 and... Mm -hmm. That kind of rang a few bells with me. I like the singles off it. I like the artwork. And then... The artwork is the futuristic Eddie yeah. um, with a ray gun or something. Yeah, it, but it's yeah, just yeah. incredibly detailed yeah. and, and there's just so much stuff to find. It's got lots it? of Easter eggs in it. Lots it? of Easter eggs, exactly. Yeah, for Maiden fans. Um, and in, by that point, I just became obsessed with them. I was, I was like really big on Sabbath and, and Ozzy Osbourne at that point been 10 years old <laughs> as you do and i just thought i just fucking the things we made in the, the, at the point at that point there was they weren't on the radio they weren't hmm. on telly it was just my, my big brother's mates who were like oh you gotta check this out okay um and that was it and then my mates went to donnington in 1987 when bon jovi were headlining right and bruce dickinson came on the stage in the last song and said 
see you all next year. And from when I found that out, I was on to my mother just hammering and going, you have to take me to Donington. There's right. just like, I'm please, I'll do anything. Like I'll be good forever. And she bought the tickets. It was £17.50 to go see Iron Maiden at Donington uh, in 1988, August the 20th. And it was it was the day after my 12th birthday, so that was my treat. Cool. And I had the tickets on my fucking wall for like eight months, just every day, just looking at these tickets. Couldn't believe it was happening. I couldn't believe it. And so, yeah, that was the seventh Son of Seventh Son tour. Yep. And uh, I can remember it like it was fucking now. Yeah. Well, you know, I just... It's just still one of the most important and sort of significant days because, you know, getting to be in the same fucking field as your favourite band who you you know them inside out and you you know, I remember Dom Lawson saying that Iron Maiden that they're more than a band. And they are. It's hard to it's hard to explain to someone what it means and why, you know and why they can get away with so much stuff that other bands can't, you know. Can I don't want... What do you mean by get away? Well, I mean, like, let's up. face it, there's no... Um, back in the day, there's just an awful lot of flights of fancy that are just... Could be sort of deemed to be quite Spinal Tap-esque. And, and you know, it, it was never I'm it was thinking, never quite dragons and castles and rainbows. It was never quite that. It was borderline It was borderline. Though, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that... You know, at the similarly, they were never uh, whiskey and, and mm, chicks mm, and, mm. and, you know, smoking and looking cool. They were never about that. They've always been about the music. Um, yeah, and, and for some reason, it just really appealed to me. I think that many years later, this is, this is, this is a story that's going to return. Mm. But I actually I met Steve Harris mm. years ago, and he, he was, he'd been to see Oceanside, the band that was in. Cool. And... Um, he said to me, oh, you guys really remind me of the old prog rock bands. Do you like all that stuff? And I was like, nah, fuck that, that's shite. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like, when, 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 somebody, when somebody says prog, prog rock to me, I just think of Genesis and yes. Yeah. And I'm fucking not interested in the slightest. Um, and what I realised in later years was that actually it was Maiden that sort of turned my head on to all that. And so I didn't realise that... Maiden were essentially a prog rock band, but not in the traditional sense. I think even more so now yeah, than they were then. Absolutely. And um, I suppose the oldest track stuff like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which yeah. is like 15 odd minutes long. And yeah. then there's uh, Tamer Lands about eight and a half minutes. Exactly. Yeah. It's a song about June. The Frank yeah, I know, but, but, I know. But that's the thing. I think the difference, it, it's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's not Whiskey Swilling, but it's kind of history lessons. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable, really. I mean, like, you know, I learned, I was able to sort of do a lot of school work off the back of some of that 100%. stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Amazing. So the, um, I suppose why it might be a surprise to a lot of people that you're a big, as, as big a Maiden fan as you are is obviously people only, you know, most people only see you through your work. Mm. So they only know sort of, you know, 5%, 10% of you. But yeah. I have never seen a massively overt Maiden influence in either Ocean Size or Van Art or certainly not British theatre. No, you know, so. no. It's, it's only in the, vo in the vocals. Some, okay. Sometimes I get into a certain range where I can't help but put on that ridiculous <laughs> vibrato and, and all that. And to be fair, you know, that's a more of a pronounced thing in, in this later band. Put quite brutally, 
I was never allowed to A, like Iron Maiden and B, talk about how much I liked Iron Maiden. That would just be fucking off the menu in, 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 in Oceanside. Yeah, it's like, nah, thou mm. shalt not mm. wear that t-shirt. You know, <laughs> fucking not, nah, not while you're on duty. With the Samuel Taylor Coleridge yeah. poem on it. <laughs> so, and, and similarly, you know, there was a time where you know, uh, Maiden through the 80s were just the fucking greatest thing. And then metal changed, rock music changed. And for me, yeah, Nirvana were great. I love it, but it was Faith No More and all that stuff. And, and through Faith No More, I got into loads of different kinds of bands. So I just fucking forgot about Maiden. And then it was only when they got back, got Bruce back, I started going to see them again for sort of nostalgic <laughs> purposes. Oh, this will be a laugh. And I quickly was back on board. It, like immediately, like no, this is not just for fun. These, this, this is a fucking incredible, committed band, mm. and it's the most. They mean it. They, mm. they absolutely mean it. And you know, for for how easy it might be to a to an outsider to to laugh at the fucking ridiculous stage sets and mm -hmm. all the rest of it, it you know. I I just I think I, I think it's really admirable that somebody is so committed to to that thing mm. and they've never deviated from it whatsoever. Mm. They still sound the fucking same, but you know there's More an awful less. lot in it. You know, yeah. there's an yeah. awful lot in that style. There are minor changes, I think. Like I said, there's a proggier leaning yeah. than there used to be, but for the for the most part, yeah, yeah. they do sound quite similar. I know you're um, more of a fan of the '80s stuff than the latter stuff and things like that, but as someone there's this sort of narrative in a lot of metal press that Iron Maiden are better now than they ever have been. Mm. And as someone who saw them as early as 1988 and has also been seeing them quite recently, mm. is that a narrative in a live sense that you agree with? Disagree um, with? It's something that I could, that, that I have said myself, you right. know, I saw, I saw them the two nights on that last legacy of the beast tour. And I definitely really came away going, that's the best I've ever seen them. I you think know, I it's would like agree. what what more would would you need? Yeah, Aww. it's like yeah, I did see them back in the day and I did enjoy it, but it they, they, it was a different time also because I was twelve. Yeah, but there's a, there's something about seeing those shows that made me feel like I was twelve of again because I was. Yeah making an absolute fool of myself fucking singing and, and, and pointing at the fucking band and <laughs> arms in the air the whole way through and you know I was aching like fuck by the end of those shows just, yeah. just absolutely joyous it was yeah. fucking incredible yeah. and, there's, and you know similarly there's no arseholes at those shows everybody's so friendly and yeah, nice yeah you know? I'd agree yeah, yeah really, for the most part. really easy atmosphere and it's very inclusive and, yeah. and welcoming I think it's that cliche of the maiden family. I know, isn't it? but, but it I won't go there because I, I really, I can't get along with the the Metallica family. <laughs> yeah, let's not. It's go still that. one of the most embarrassing bits I, of stage pattern. I think it's actually witnessed. pronounced family. Family. Shake it off. Um, okay, so I have asked you um, to provide your basically so that we have a jumping off point to just yeah. talk Maiden. Yeah. Um, I've asked you to provide your top five Maiden songs. Okay. Because lists, that's an easy way to start talking yeah. about this shit. So um, shall we go in with, uh, they're not they're not listed like number no, one. No, well, five, I've, I they? couldn't tell you which is the best one of all time. No. But I will. They've got 200 odd songs, so that would be a tall order. To exactly, say the least. yeah. Um, so I've, I've first of, I mean chronologically for a start is Phantom of the Opera on the first album. Oh yes, which is it, it has a lot of the things that I think Maiden are known for. And we, you know, you're saying that they're more proggy than they were 
then it's like, well, Phantom of the Opera is about six minutes long. It changes gear every like couple mm. of minutes. There's mm -hmm. something, it's like sort of five songs sort of welded together. It does all these different things. It was definitely their first attempt at the epic. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And it, you know, and it really works. I think that similarly at the time, one of the things that's so unique about them is that they were coming off the back of that punk rock thing that was that made their kind of music deeply unfashionable. Mm -hmm. But they were able to integrate, I know that Steve Harris does not agree with any of this at all, but there is a sort of frenetic, visceral, punk fucking energy to, to that early stuff. It's all poor Diano, isn't it? Yeah, Diano's got the voice, but still, you know, the speed, the tempo mm -hmm. of things, you know. Wrath trials. Yeah, totally. And, you know, but I had some of that stuff on recently. Diano's voice is absolutely incredible. It He's really is. really underrated. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just so fucking in your face and ragged and, and nasty. Mm. So expressive. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, Phantom of the Opera, I think the first time I ever heard it was on a LucasAid ad with Daley Thompson in. Right. I was like, this is Iron Maiden. Are you shitting <laughs> me? This is amazing. Um, and yeah, I remember it's like seeing them play it on one of the first sort of nostalgia tours they did in 2003 or something. Mm -hmm. And they were playing Leeds Festival to a largely disinterested, thin, thinned out crowd. Really? Yeah, it in wasn't sort of, yeah, it wasn't sort of like, it wasn't their crowd as, yeah. as, as much as anything. I think that they could sense it. And before they went into Phantom of the Opera, Bruce Dickinson was like, you know what, we're going to play this song. And if you don't like it, then don't fucking waste your time trying anymore because this is the best fucking song you've ever heard, kind of thing. And I was like, he's right, man. If you don't like this one, you might as well fuck off home. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your second choice, my friend? I've got Moonchild. Oh. Now, that is primarily an emotional sort of nostalgic thing. Um, as I said before, I saw them in 1988 at Donington, which they've l sort of largely sort of claimed as being their best, most important gig of all time. Because they put off doing Donington for years. Mm. They could have done it four or five years earlier. Yeah. And they finally did that one. And it was like the biggest audience there's ever been at Donington. It was like 107,000 people. I'm and assuming they opened with They Moon fucking Child, did I'm open guessing. with yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So it was just one of those moments where I'd just been waiting all day for Iron Maiden. Yeah. There were some good bands on that day. The Guns N' Roses were on and Dave Lee Roth was on. Of course, this was the uh, infamous. Yeah, uh, infamous ATA, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was such a... You know, you look back on pictures of that day and it's just... It's a shithole. It's an absolute dive, you know. It didn't... It, it's, it just kind of feels more glitzy now, but yeah. it was so rough, you know. Was the issue the weather, do you think? The or? weather was pretty grim, but it was also on a hill at the time, so people ah. were just piling into each other. You could, nobody could stay on their feet kind of thing. I should say, for people who don't know, um, a few fans got crushed at the front barrier during Guns N' Roses' set, and, yeah. oh, God, it was um, a few, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was two. Five, six, was it no, two? it was only the two, yeah. But, um, but still, I mean, an absolute tragedy, and uh, not that he was to know, but Axel left the stage saying something along the lines of we're Guns N' Roses, don't fucking kill yourselves or yeah, something yeah. like that, which was just, you know, he yeah. had no idea what had happened, but yeah. yeah, that was not great. I also remember, um, I spoke to, um, Maiden's manager, uh, Rod Smallwood. Thank you. Wow. I forgot <laughs> Smallwood. I don't, uh, I spoke to Rod, uh, Rod about this once and he was saying, um, that he didn't tell the band mm. that, um, a couple of people had died until after their yeah, set. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, tragic. I mean, yeah, it would have been 
dreadful to have actually tried to play the gig of your life knowing what had happened. But Can you imagine? Yeah. Nobody knew, as a matter of fact. When we got home, my grandma had waited up for us because it had mm. been on the telly that two people had died, but they didn't see who it was. Mm. And so, you know, there's no mobile mobile phones, no nothing. Nobody knew who it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, and throughout all the sets all day, people, they just kept stopping the music and asking people to move back all right, day. Right, right. Um, but yeah, anyway, they, they came on with that song and it just felt like this just thing just coursing through me of it's fucking happening. My band, I, there they are. Mm. I was like, I could actually, they had a video screen, but I was watching them yeah. just from far away going, I can't believe it. I can't mm. believe it's happening. And, um... Yeah, just sort of, just in awe of the whole thing. It had just been so long that I'd wanted to see him, and they sounded fucking phenomenal, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And Moonchild is the first song on Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, which yeah. is the first time, I believe it's the first time they'd actually tried a concept record. Yeah, I mean, I still don't necessarily know. I don't, I don't think there's no a story there as such. I think it's just a bunch of songs that have got something in common. It's something to do... Well, it is something to do with the seventh son of a seventh yeah, son. Yeah, it's supposed to have clairvoyant a, powers okay, and all Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, hence yeah. the clairvoyant and all that kind of thing. What's your take on concept records generally? Because I don't believe you're into them. No, I'm you know sure. what? When I was a kid... I was the biggest fan of The Wall. I thought The Wall right. was just a fucking masterstroke. I thought mm -hmm. it was phenomenal. But, you know, that was when I was like 12, you mm -hmm. know, angry kid, you know, real misunderstood. Yeah. We don't need no Divorced parents and all <laughs> yeah, that. I was like, oh, yeah. woe is me. But like, <laughs> go listen to it now. I can't, I can't bear it. I really? absolutely can't bear it. I think it's awful. What is it about? It's interesting. We're going to do a special on The Wall coming up. Yeah. So, so um I'm. I wouldn't go as far as say I can't bear it. Oh, no, that's a bit of a spoiler. Mm. I'm not as keen on it as my co-host. So can no. you give me a little bit of ammunition? For well, it? what don't you like about I it? I think that it's all too on the nose. But I suppose concept albums have to be. Yeah, there has to be a narrative that someone can actually follow. Yeah, and whilst. You know, I took my wife to see the Wall Show um, that Roger Waters did in, in Manchester a few years ago. Yes. And she didn't know what the fuck was going on. Because <laughs> I think that he's actually changed a lot of the narrative to be less about, woe is me, I'm a misunderstood rock star and my wife's divorced me and I'm so fucked up. It's changed it to be more about the sort of wartime angle and the, yes. the atrocity of war, yes. which is absolutely great. It's yeah. fine. It's, and, and that's much easier to digest for me personally. Um but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just too, it's too raw for me. And I think Dave Gilmore's sort of described it as a bit of a whinge. I can, <laughs> I can see that as well, you know. This is the infamous show where the wall is built throughout the show. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's a okay. good show, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. Mm. Um, yeah, there were less Nazis at that show as well. And, <laughs> I went to another Roger Waters show not so long ago well, and it was you talking about actual Twitter, yeah. Nazi salutes at a Roger Waters show, which is to me, you know, while you've got all these poppies all over the fucking video screen, there's guys with machetes and machine guns tattooed on them doing actual Nazi salutes. I've never wanted to fucking maim someone <laughs> so much in my life. Yeah, it's like yeah. total irony vortex, man. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so that was that. Yeah. <laughs> What's your policy with Nazis at your shows? Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to not have any. As a matter of fact, um, a, a, a band who we're friends with 
recently were mortified to learn that on some fucking Nazi rally, like a, some Tommy Robinson bullshit or something, there's pictures of the people at this rally and one of them was wearing the T-shirt of a... a have one of our friends' bands mm. were like, oh man, imagine. I mean, you can't choose your mm. fans, no, you know. No, yeah. But why? Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> what a tricky, yeah. Yeah, a tricky it's one, an absolute it? head fuck. I'd yeah. be really questioning everything I did from there on. <laughs> but then, I suppose, you know, my favorite band's Cardiacs, and they look like a bunch of Nazis as well, <laughs> and sound like a bunch of Nazis sometimes as well. <laughs> um, okay, so what's your third choice then? Um, like Power Slave. Now, oh. I think there's many reasons for this one, but it's what we were talking about before about these crazy flights of fancy and these historical epic themes and all that. And of course, the Power Slave album is, is Egypt, so just through yes. and through. Yes. Um, pharaohs. Pharaohs. Egypt. But what, the, what I never knew until I sort of watched a, a documentary about Maiden recently is that it's, it's a song that Bruce Dickinson wrote. Yeah, it sounds Egyptian. It has this, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, harmonic minor inverted sort of scale that gives it that inherent Eastern scale mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's actually a, it's quite a human sort of approach that he's sort of feeling like a slave to the band and that he's, you know, he just is kind of consumed by the idea of this is what I do now and it's fucking really hard. And he, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I found it really interesting. I never knew this. Yeah. I didn't know this. So this would have been three, uh, his third album, 1985. Yeah. Um, so, he, so he was feeling sort of constricted by... Yeah, that he was a slave to the power of the band. That is the quote. And I was like, wow, you know, already just feeling like this is full on because you know they used to put out an album every year and tour the world yeah. every year yeah. I don't know how the fuck you know like, it's even possible they did it for the first six yeah. years so yeah the first six albums are literally 80, 81, 82 80, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, which is insane I mean I suppose different times but then even at the same time you still got to write an mad. album yeah exactly but like, the, what I found out about Maiden is that apparently they'll put down you know they'll all come in with riffs and then they'll write the album in six weeks i'm like wow how do you write a fucking album in six weeks it takes me three years to write an <laughs> album you know and that's me do it going at it every day trying things and going no nah, that's not working you know? how long did Secure blizzard take to... three years it was three it years was three was years it? Yeah. i mean it was i mean like you're busy doing other stuff I'm, as well, yeah i mean yeah, yeah, yeah i play for other bands and all that so yeah i'm not like every single day but i tend to only work on things that I can tell are going to be good. If I start something and I've spent a day on it and it's shit, I'll just put it straight in the bin. I won't even finish it. Mm. But um, I just can't imagine. And that's the same with Maiden. They're like, any song that, they, that they've released is a song that they've finished. There's yeah. no leftovers. Yeah. You know? That's the same with a lot of those big metal bands. Uh, Metallica were like that for a mm. very long time. Um, they like their B sides were only covers kind yeah. of thing because they, they must didn't... have had a lot of leftover riffs for that fucking crazy Lou Reed album because <laughs> that's Surely. all that is. That's just the the riff bank, yeah. the graveyard of riffs. <laughs> Give him Lou Reed, man. He can talk weird over him. <laughs> <laughs> Another concept record, yeah, which absolutely. no one knows what it's about. No, um, it's based on a play, I believe. Is it? Yeah, did he like, write it? Lou Reed, no, yeah. no, no. Um, it was written uh, turn of the century, like 1902 or something. Wow, like that. Again, right, picking okay. what's out of my head, so this probably isn't accurate. But yeah, it's based on Amazing. some German expressionistic play, I want to say. Right. 
uh, hence lines like cutting my legs off and licking the insides or whatever it is and oh. i am a table apparently have you ever to... got through the album i've listened to the whole thing i'm yeah. a i'm a music journalist this is what right I have to yes do that's for a, a job yeah, yeah i suppose <laughs> um i have listened to the whole thing through twice mm-hmm. maybe it's um are you know oh. i uh, they're, to- they're totally entitled to do it uh, this is it. I got to hand it to them. You know, it's it's crazy, and and they are doing whatever they want. I think that's the good thing also about becoming a big rich rock band is mm. that ultimately you've got nothing left to prove, so you can do these th- fucking crazy concepts. I just imagine handing that kind of thing into the record company mm. and them mm. going, "Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> Last night we went to see Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen biopic. It was fucking brilliant. They just like <laughs> seeing them handing in Bohemian Rhapsody as a single, and the, the guy just freaking out. You know, it's like that's what you. I mean, it's, I mean, it is. It's to be expected. Just this standard idea that. It, if it doesn't fit a formula, then the record company are going to just have an absolute meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. pretty much the story of my, what I laughably like to call my career. <laughs> There's this one time when Oceanside did the Frames album where we'd made that album just like, fuck everyone. Mm. No singles on this one. The last previous album, we tried to write a couple of singles and mm-hmm. we did videos, we did radio edits and all this horse shit got us nowhere. Mm. So we were like, fuck it. Next album, every song's going to be 10 minutes long. There's going to be no choruses anywhere. Fuck everyone. Hence, it's my favourite. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's most people's favourite <laughs> one. Because I'm, I'm a difficult <laughs> bastard. Yeah. yeah and then, on. sure enough, the management wanted to cut this like nine minute song down to three minutes. For a radio edit and we remember, were like do you remember which one it was it was trail of fire right, right, right and we were like fucking good luck with that <laughs> i don't want to hear it and it was like it's just one of them it's just like the, yeah that's know. a song that has like 18 different parts yeah and i don't yeah. even know how you start i, I, I was always just like look paranoid android fucking bohemian yeah. rhapsody exactly fuck it who cares yeah yeah, yeah. but you know it, 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 they, they just they didn't they don't want to fuck with the formula. But yeah. we didn't have one, you know. Yeah, it's just no. like, if it's a good section, then play it for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much the rule of thumb. It's a good idea. It's worth... It's a, it's a good, if it's a good point, it's worth overmaking. It works for me, so, you know. Um, okay, uh, number four, Mike. Uh, the Prisoner from Number of the Beast. Now, yeah. Prisoner, man, like, it's one... To me, I think it's kind of unique to the Maiden canon, it doesn't have any of their signature elements in it. It's, there's no galloping, there's no no shuffle, uh-huh. there's no um, guitar harmonies in it. It's just a huge chorus and a, just a sort of ballsy rocking number. But it's got a really rousing chorus. There's something really human and universal about it. I'm not a prisoner and all. It's fucking... Free it's just incredible. And... Yep. Again, they didn't play it for a long time, and Ooh, it, it felt really like such an event when they, when they did. Um, they brought it out quite recently, didn't they? They did, yeah. On the it's that well, when when Whatever, out, touring that one again, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, again, it just it's not when I think of Maiden, it's not a song that I think of because it doesn't sound like anything else they've done. Yeah, to me. do you know what I mean? I've ne- that's never occurred to me, but I absolutely see what you mean. Did you see the TV series it was based on? I did not. Mm. I kept. I, I, meant, I meant to watch it because it's been meant to be pretty. I've freaky. never seen it, but it's meant to be. Yeah, it's meant to. Be, I mean, I always. I imagine, especially sci-fi series like that, it was probably dated in a weird way. So it's mm. kind of like it's probably only. You can probably only appreciate it at the time. Yeah, kind of yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool that Maiden were doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't. Th- 
I mean, some people will write in now and give us loads of examples, but I can't think of any examples where like people were taking contemporary influences and no. well, like television and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and putting it into what they Well, were doing. he still does it, doesn't it? It's like, you yeah. know, you've got man on the edge and the chorus is falling down. Of course, <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Like, of course. Like, yeah. It's as if he just sat on a bus going, no, all right, I've got one for this one. Brilliant. <laughs> well done, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a classic. And again, I played it at that Donington gig and I was just like, don't know it, it, there's very few songs by them i think that have that kind of um just universal appeal just basic mm. rock and roll i don't want to say rock and roll because they're not a rock and roll band <laughs> are they made in? it's not motorhead it's not motorhead it's not guns and roses um but but yeah it's metal isn't it's it? metal yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, where's where do you stand with um so number of the beast is so often considered like the classic maybe yeah, yeah. record or, or, or the place to start or yeah. blah 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 um controversially maybe i don't know i've always held the opinion that number of the beast compared to their other 80s output as a record mm. as a whole kind of weak it's got a couple of weak well you know invaders Oh, it's fucking amazing, man. <laughs> I can't believe they've ne I've never seen them play that song. It's fucking what an opener. Maybe there's a reason, Mike. Oh, uh, my God. No, um, I, is it Total Eclipse at the end? Uh, there's, there's Total Eclipse is, was actually a B-side. Yeah, put and in. then it was put... Gangland, so is, the, Gangland. is the one weak point. Gangland. Gangland is yeah, not great. It's not it's great. And they, so they, they regret putting that on. Yes, so it's supposed I to be the other tune. I do appreciate... You know, Hallowed Be Thy Name. I mean, Hallowed yeah. might be one of my, probably yeah, my favourite main And uh, Number of the Beast, obviously. Children of the Damned. Children and... of the Damned is fucking incredible, admittedly. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, um, I 22 Acacia was... Avenue, it's got it all. <laughs> Every single song is absolutely amazing, right. except Gangland. All right, all right, all right. Cool, well, we've I know dealt where with my, that then. I know where my opinions aren't wanted. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go with your final choice before we get into a big scrap about this. No, well, I mean, like, to be, to be fair, though, I couldn't, you put a gun to my head and I couldn't tell you what the best Maiden album is. But it's, the one that uh, I always come back to is Peace of Mind, which is where my last song is from. I love Peace of Mind. Peace of Mind has got it all. Is a, but there is a couple, like, like, there's one song on there, Quest for Fire, which oh, I yeah. find yeah. highly questionable because it, well, chronologically speaking, it's just fucking illegal because it's talking about in a time when dinosaurs roamed the earth and how man came, like, invented fire. But those two things were not at the same time. <laughs> and, and Are you saying that Bruce's history lessons are inaccurate? I think, in it, I think, it's, I think this is Harris's fault, man. Ah, yes, it could be. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, that is, well, I mean, it's a, it's not a good song anyway. It's, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd go as far as say it's the worst song from the, all those albums. It's just, it's not so good. But, Revelations oh, is yeah. my uh, final choice. It's one of the only songs that I can think of by them that actually has a sort of ballad quality to it, and yet it rocks mm -hmm. like fuck. Mm -hmm. um, again, really changeable, loads of different sections, loads of different tempos, and they do that kind of Black Sabbath thing where it's got an up-tempo bit and it sort of slows down to go back into the original riff, mm -hmm. and it's just fucking ripping. Um, 
Bruce's vocals are just phenomenal. He's like the strange thing about Bruce Dickinson is that in the eighties he sounded great on the records and less great live often. But now yeah. he's just immaculate wall to wall. He just sings better now at age sixty than he did when he was twenty five. You know, a couple of those bit like certainly not live after death or anything like no. that, but towards the end of the 80s beginning of the 90s I think there's one from Donington actually mm. where he you know no offence to Bruce Dickinson who's obviously fucking brilliant yeah. but he does sound tired yeah. and he left the band not long after that yeah. you know um, and it's a really it's a tricky live album yeah um, to I think it's a punishing to. schedule that they were doing at the oh, time that's ridiculous. just like you can't be doing that you yeah. know yeah um, Revelations has always sort of struck me as a not a sequel um, thematically or lyrically but just almost musically as a sequel to a song we've already mentioned Children of the Damned yeah yeah um, I view it as a both songs are brilliant mm. but I view it as a sort of better version of Children of the Damned yeah what's your take on that absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that you can I can return to it more because it's just got more twists and turns in it I like yeah. tunes that do that especially tunes that maybe end in a completely different manner to how they begin yes and yes. Uh, Maiden always did that they always took you on a journey it wasn't just it was more cerebral than it was ever given credit for I think um, you know they weren't ACDC they weren't Judas Priest they had more in common in that sort of um, lateral sense the the, the, the the, the more in common with Black Sabbath even though they sound completely different but it was just that sort of non-linear approach it just, just went off on a tangent all the yeah. time like Sabbath did you know that's what I've always loved about Maiden you know like you say it is it is a cliche thing to say but the journey mm. taking you on a journey yeah you know? yeah and I think I think they do that as well as they always have done now and but they've always had that element even mm. during the dark days of the, yeah, yeah. the mid 90s you mm. know we were talking just before we started this about songs like Sign of the Cross mm. and I know you're not as big a fan as I am but The Clansman mm. and stuff like that those songs do take you on journeys yeah even, yeah even well, at they, their weakest they've always they've always had their thing and whilst I didn't appreciate any of that 90s stuff I, I do absolutely 100% respect that they stuck to their guns and absolutely. didn't fuck with it. Because every every other metal band started leaning into it. Even Slayer went fucking, started playing seven-string guitars and shit. Diabolus and Musica yeah. is basically a new metal album. Yeah, it's like, nah, man. Mm. And good on them. You know, I didn't enjoy those Maiden records, but, mm. but they stuck to it and, and came back around for them and it, it came out even better. And there's know? something to admire about yeah. that. And it just shows you the trajectory of things. Things go in waves just mm. because... You're not cool. I don't know if Maiden have ever been cool. No. But just because you're not uh, in yeah. at the moment, you know, yeah. fashionable at the moment, doesn't mean you won't be fashionable in 10 years' time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that's a good lesson for people, isn't it? Yeah, just, just stick do to your, your fucking thing. Guns. And, you know, I, the, the thing is as well, Steve Harris can't help but write the songs that he writes. Yeah. And same, yeah, yeah. Bruce Dickinson can't help but sing the way he sings. So it's like, you're either going to eat it or not. And once yeah. you accept that you sound how you sound, then. Fuck everyone. Yeah, That's exactly. I'm way I'm well into that now, man. Yeah. It's fucking great. I'm 42, and I'm like, I don't care if there's only 10 people coming to see me. I'm still gonna make the tunes I'm gonna make, yeah, and yeah. That, that's probably Maiden's fault as much as anything. Um, but I've got another story for you, man. Please, I've not told. Did I tell you the talisman story? No. Right. This is fucking mental. Okay. Right. So I mentioned before that. Steve Harris came to see Ocean Size in mm -hmm. Paris. This mm -hmm. was in 1919, more mind about 2008, something mm -hmm. like that. 
2009. And he he was there to see the support band. The support band uh, was a band called World on Fire, and that contained his son, George, on bass, mm-hmm. and his nephew, Joel, on the drums. Now, um, so, yeah, I get talking to him afterwards. He stayed and watched the Oceanside set, and he was asking me about prog rock, and I said, nah, fuck all that. And I really, like I say, I, I've always regretted not being able to say, you know what, it was actually Maiden that got me into all this stuff. Mm. It was Maiden's fault. You might not hear it, but it's, mm. that's, yeah, my, my sort of patience for um, the elongated and fucking angular mission of a song is definitely from Maiden, nobody else. But I didn't think that because I was too busy getting my shit on the bus and just being knackered. <laughs> and then the next year, Maiden, what, what he was doing was he was in Paris to record, rehearse and record the new Maiden album. Right? right. Which turned out to be The Final Frontier. Yes. And on The Final Frontier, there's a song called The Talisman. Hmm. And in that song, one of the lyrics is, as we sail into ocean size. If you look at that on the fucking lyric sheet, and it says, ocean size, all one word. Now, ocean size is not a word. It's not a word, no. And whenever I think of that, it freaks me the fuck out. And it's been 10 years now. And I've actually, I've not, you know, Joe, my, my friend, his nephew, has asked him outright, is that, is that because of the, the band that you saw? And he went, who can tell, you know? And it's oh, like, really? he's, he's never admitted it, but it, just, it can't be anything else because it's not a fucking word. <laughs> and that just blows my mind because, you know, it's fucking Maiden, man, singing yeah, about my band. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Steve, if you're listening, and you're almost certainly not, <laughs> but if you are uh, and you do want to reveal this to us and we can have it as an exclusive, then please do. Um, I mean, only three or four people will care. Let's exactly, I know. <laughs> Those three or four people that listen to this podcast that have heard of Ocean Size will be like, wow, that's pretty cool, man. I've been banging on about yeah. it quite a lot. I think, I think quite a few people have heard about Ocean Size. Yeah. Um, Mike, as always, it's a fucking pleasure to see you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for spending the time. Absolute treat, and, my man. Uh, yeah, you are. Um, are you touring next year? We can cut this. Yeah, I think there's some stuff happening. Just itty bitty stuff. I don't know what's going. I'm also. I think there's some stuff happening with Biffy. I play guitar for them. Lovely. Um, I don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. But I'm, I've been told to yeah block the diary out. I've occasionally told you stuff Biffy's doing. That yeah. You've not known about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I found out about a gig we were doing the other day just minutes before it was announced on Twitter, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> But you know, like I say, I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll always be there for them and, and I'm always open to playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll find, there'll be something happening, I'm sure. Well, look, um, Takira Blizzard on a plastic sea. Upon a plastic sea. Upon a plastic sea, sea. I know. Always get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Is a fucking awesome album. It will be featuring in an episode that we do shortly, which is uh, an album of the year special. Oh, really? So um, yes, keep your ears peeled for Thank that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Thanks so much. Well, there you go. I Maiden do have five good songs, so I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah, there you go. And, <laughs> and you should put them on your phone and you should listen to them over and over and again for penance yeah. of some sort. I, I listen to um, Gallows doing Wrathchild. Yeah, fair. fair. This is better, isn't it? It's quite a straight cover though, isn't it? Don't mm. do loads to it. It just sounds modern. Yeah, what's wrong with that? We've just been talking about 21 Pilots, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, who I was going on about being my favourite band of all time. That's all we ever talk about. <laughs> um, anyway, next week we're going to be reviewing seven more albums that we missed from the year. Go to musicism.net, stick Riot in capital letters in the checkout and you'll get 25% off of that 9 99 Phenomenal. 
just a just great value from great guys who are great mates. Ridiculous. Uh, Renfrey, it's been lovely having you over as, as per. Very welcome. Um, I enjoyed your chat with Mike Van Art. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed your chat about Mogwai. Thank you. And um, that's it, actually. I don't really have anything the else positive not. to say about you as a human being. So okay. uh, I'm going to let you crack on. Get out of my house. <laughs> Get out now. This is what drove me to booze. <laughs> See you, mate. Bye.